Hey, welcome back to the Blue Collar Off-Road Podcast, episode 130. I'm Graham, I'm here with Luke Ritchie and Cody, and we've got Bob Swinsky back from Field and Forest, the, everybody's favorite RV recreation park. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for having been me, a, guys. <laughs> it's been a year, I think, since we last talked to you. He's got a major mic upgrade, not that the previous one was bad, but he sounds crystal clear now. A little quality um, of life adjustment, love it, oh, love yeah. it. I literally bought this just so that I could do another podcast with you guys. <laughs> I swear to God. So special. <laughs> I didn't spend a lot of money on it. It doesn't it sounds like you did. So <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> uh, here I am rocking the iPad and a set of headphones. You guys are crystal clear and hopefully I don't make a fool out of myself. <laughs> that's my job anyway, so you're good. Yeah, right on. As long as somebody owns that. <laughs> oh yeah, no that that's been my role since like day one. Um, so we might as well just straight on hop right into it. It's been a whole three hundred and sixty five odd days, man. What's been new? What's going on? What's what's happening in the is world? It really, of... like the anniversary of that I have... previous one? Actually, I so I think the last one was in April. Oh, okay, um, so, so more. So we're just over a year. <laughs> um, going by my very dim recollection but i'm 56 years old now so things are getting a little foggy <laughs> um but so do you guys uh how do, how do you what do you want to do do you want to recap last year or do you want to i mean i go into I, what we're doing lot of, this year a lot in happened case, didn't it we had we a have, lot happen last year yeah in case we have new listeners just do a quick little synopsis of who you are what you're about and what you got like you know what's so, going on and My name we'll, is Bob Sawinski. My wife, Liza, and I own Field and Forest Recreation Area, which is um, a campground in Monadnock region, New Hampshire, that, um, if I do say so myself, has the hardest rock crawling trails on the East Coast, definitely in the Northeast. Like, we've got a lock on the Northeast. I know one by um, what others have told me. East Coast is a good bet. Um, but anyways... Um, we're just a little family deal that, uh, we like to promote off-road and we were off-roaders when we, when we, uh, started coming here off-roaders when we bought it and, um, we're still off-roaders. Hell yeah. And there's a ton more depth into that whole explanation in the first podcast. We kind of want to cover the new we stuff. We did. Sure. Well, we'll <laughs> have some sort of link back to the original one when we right. post it, so. I'm happy to revisit anything you guys think I should too, but, um, yeah. So we had a, last year was probably our, um, our breakout year as far as, um, the amount of new stuff we started, uh, having come to us. Mm -hmm. Um, we started off Well, we did a civil war last year, which I'm not doing again this year. Um, we had we had a lot of fun doing Civil War. For those who don't know, Civil War was my um, attempt at uh, a tire war, basically, um, and it's all around stickies. So I put up um, it was like a scavenger hunt throughout the woods on on all the gnarliest trails. I would put point signs for completing an obstacle without a winch, and um, you know the one with the highest total wins and and we would average them together based on tire types tire models and uh create winners that way too and um 
FYI, BFG always kicked the living shit out of everybody else. <laughs> um, just throwing it out there. But uh, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. BFGs work best in New England. Uh, yeah, agreed. But they do have their shortcomings. Absolutely. I, I've, uh, I had a guy online last year or the year before explain to me why they don't like uh, red labels at places like AOP and, and, and places where there's clay. Yep. And I guess it, it turns out to be the open cell construction of the BFG actually clogs up with clay. And you can't, oh, like once they clog up, you can't overcome it. So the tires almost act like they do in the winter when they turn into ice balls. They turn into clay balls mm -hmm. and they don't clear out. Whereas a closed cell like Swamper, like you could burn off the surface and it's not, the pores aren't all clogged with clay. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I never thought of that. So I guess that makes sense. I don't have any personal experience with using red labels in clay so i have to trust you know guys who who take the time to explain it to me online and yeah you know that's that i think graham can weigh in on this one and i know i can weigh in on this one my biggest takeaway is not even that um so much the issue with the traction because they get traction on a lot of shit down here if you heat them up the biggest issue is that they cut too easy well there is that um Guys definitely cut them up. Uh, but I've also seen um, my share of uh, traps with cut sidewalls. I've even seen SXs with yeah. uh, blown out sidewalls. But the, whoever did, you know, does that is is probably going above and beyond the Call of Duty. Yeah. <laughs> um, and down here with the speed as well, it... Uh, it helps to have a slightly more rigid sidewall if you're going to be applying vehicular momentum. Totally agree. Totally so, agree. I wonder how something like a KR3 would do down south. Is it a common tire down there at all? I mean, it's not even a no, common tire up not. here. Like, but... JB is the only set of KR3s that I've ever seen uh, below the Mason-Dixon. So And barely, because it was Virginia. Yeah, West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> so, actually, I don't know if that falls below the Mason-Dixon. Don't crucify me. Yeah, as you say, I think um, Virginia's technically still above, but yeah, it's, fine. it's, say, it's yeah. fine. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> All right. Well, in the southern region, um, feel free to crucify me, I guess. But um, that's the only set I've ever seen, and that's only been a good evening. I've never seen them. I've seen reds, like a lot of reds comparatively. but. Yeah, that's the only KR3s. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to beat the Reds in the South too hard here, because I think we've talked about it plenty here and other places. But um, Yeah, no doubt. I saw, you know, there was one guy we were with most of the beginning weekend at the, the meet and beat at AOP. And and they hold, they hold their own. Like, yeah, I mean, it's the same as if you're running a DOT, though, right? It doesn't have the... It's not as rigid, obviously, like we said, and it's it's just not a digging tire, and you really need that to get through the clay when it's wet yeah. or when you're not on a rock is when you struggle. But on rocks, I mean, it's it probably does better than half the Tennessee cut Etna cut tires out there. So, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, so, anyways, that was our last Civil War. We did not do it again this year because. Um, I always had low attendance, and then when I tried to um, 
quote unquote, run my mouth about it online, AKA try and generate some um, interest in it. And, um, well, and, and let's call a spade a spade. I was trying to aggravate people enough to make them want to come and, yep. you know, put their tires where their mouth was. And I didn't really like, I, I, I got, you know, professional rock crawlers who were like, Oh, does the, the tire type doesn't matter. Meanwhile, they're, they're based in Arizona or New Mexico yeah. or, yeah. you know, and they're <laughs> like, okay, well, but the argument was always here. Like it was literally, there's no way you have a place where my traps won't follow your reds over everything that you drive over. So anyways, um, there's, yeah, there's no, uh, no winning with those guys. Pretty they much. So tied to their bumpers and <laughs> so my wife Liza pointed out that she thinks that the time of year that we're doing it, we're just, um, hitting market saturation point mm. with, um, being between um, the season opener and 4th of July, and now we're doing Wheeling for Warriors, that if if we can't fill the place, then why bother doing it? So this year, we're at least taking this year off, um, not doing it. And um, It's such a cool idea, though. The actual idea of like a scavenger hunt style teamwork, like not necessarily teamwork, but you kind of would, I guess, if you had people that you're friends with with the same tires and you're on the same quote-unquote team yeah that's kinda, I mean, it's such a cool idea team red or team trap or whatever i mean i know right. that's the, oh, the wouldn't the wouldn't the funnest thing be to to do a trail run with like five guys and all five guys are on different tires and go out and just like spent just go through an entire tank of gas all day and 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 see how everybody did and, and poke and prod each other and heckle from the sidelines. I mean, yeah. yeah, you almost don't even need an event for that. We make fun of everybody's <laughs> different tire brands as it is. Oh, no <laughs> doubt. We all do. I, I don't know if that's, it can't be exclusively a New England thing, but I feel like in most other places, like it either doesn't matter or everybody's running the same thing. Oh, dude, I don't yeah. know why we all run different shit, but for example, like I'm sitting here, I always praise gentle grabbers. Yet the only tire I've ever sliced was on a stick, and then one of my buddies literally just popped his tire on a stick. So it's like, damn, I guess you know they all have their downfalls, even with its little shit. So right, and, and we and we love those uh love shitting on the MTRs. Those are always fun. Yes, <laughs> oh, and made it an easy target. So, ah, uh, yeah. Speaking of, with Wheeling for Warriors coming up next week, yep, you guys had pretty large attendance last year, right? That was huge cool. attendance. Um, I remember listening to Chris Iasawa's podcast where he talked about that, and he was just dumbfounded that we were parking people on the infield. Um, the projection for this year is is um, a bit less, but still, I think we're still looking at like right around 300 attendees total um last year we were at like 360 to 380 um it was it was pretty crazy but uh i was cool with it i'm i'm starting to um let go of the whole using driving on the grass see our deal is why do you want to leave trenches across the middle of our huge grass field when there's a perfectly good dirt road that that encircles it mm -hmm. so and, and i think i talked about this last year um mowing that like the trenches that a heavy vehicle leaves 
just makes me pull wheelies in the zero turn. And it's a, the, the zero turn weighs like a thousand pounds. And like, it's just airborne, knocking me out of the seat, like cutting out because my ass is off the, off the seat and, and the, the safety switch is still armed. And, you know, so it's like, well, well, we'll mitigate it as much as we can, but we've over the years, the last few years, we've, we've been using more and more of the edge of the field for sure. Um, just saying, why are we sweating it? Just, just use the place just be respectful but use it so but the only pet peeve we have nowadays is um moving fire pits and and leaving fire rings everywhere Mm. but yeah that's it definitely sucks unless you start doing like designated fire pits but then you're gonna like you'll have to adjust parking for each fire pit and that would just kind of suck yeah right but i mean we have 40 fire pits throughout the place so it's like, hey, just you you have your choice of forty places that already have a fire pit, and if you're part of a huge event like this, just have to know that if you're past that number and you don't get a a, a camping site with a fire pit, you don't get a camping site with a fire pit. Walk around and make friends. It'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. You'll figure it out. It's half the um, battle there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so where was I? So last that last year, so we we had. We started off the year with uh, Civil War and then moved right into Wheeling for Warriors, which mind-blowing. But boy, did they do a good job organizing it. Uh, they, Rockaholics is a club full of volunteers. Just it always pe- amazes me how much, how organized they can keep that stuff. Like they everybody, are, everybody involved. They are, they are really good at it. They, the part of it is that um, they care. They're they're a club that that pushes giving back to the off roading community. Um, I mean, they've got required work days and stuff to be a member. You have you have requirements to fulfill um, to stay a member in good standing, and 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 it shows when they do an event like that. They have, I mean, three quarters of the club is going to be here volunteering. So um, it was pretty. It was pretty awesome. I led a class six run for that, so uh, I wasn't on property. This year, I'm going to be uh, staying on property and just watching the shenanigans. I want to watch. I want. I want to get around on property and see the faces on people who have never been here before, and they signed up for a red trail. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it should was... be. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was, I was just feeling that uh, the people that don't know what they're getting into has got to be entertaining every year because that's like uh, down here we've got the finger trails at AOP. If they are wet, you're not going anywhere. And I'm not yep. trying to draw too many uh, like cross sections or whatever to your property, but it's the hardest place that I've been wheeling recently. Uh, if you don't know what you're getting into, it's going to be a bad time. If you don't know what you're doing at F and F, you're really fucked. <laughs> no doubt. Um, so yeah, that leads me to a, a you know a couple other great things that happened this year. Um, one being uh, Hans Fear reached out for um, his event called Put Up or Shut Up um, X Rock event, mm-hmm. and uh, so he came out and walked the property with me, and he's like. 
yeah, I can definitely come here and we can, we can do this. So we, we pushed for that and they brought SLRC to he and Eric, uh, came for the entire week before this was in August. We're doing it again this year. Um, and wow, what a, what a cool event. I got to see some, I got to meet on my terms, a bunch of, uh, pro level drivers who were, um, they're pretty cool to hang out with. Um, Cam Beasley and Danny and Dean Benner and, uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch. We and 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 our our local guy Eugene Whitford. I don't know how many times you guys have run across his name so far. He's uh, my he's a reoccurrence at this point. He is my best friend on the planet, and um, so he's a win. He's the winner of the first and second humble pie, and he signed up, and he had his buddy John Putnam spotting for him for X Rock. He won by two full gates, wow, which is substantial. Um, he was the only one to do this nasty, nasty line that I I showed. It's it, it um it happened on the beginning of Dick and the Dirt. Dick and the Dirt is the the beginning of it. It's a it's not on our map. It's special use trail. It's the longest trail on the property, and the beginning of it has just house sized rocks. Um just ridiculousness and there was this obstacle at the top that i've been telling eugene for the last year i'm like dude we gotta cut this we gotta cut this look at it he's like i don't see the line i don't see the line <laughs> and hans walked it with me he's like oh, i see the line i'm gonna cut that it's definitely gonna be one of my gates <laughs> he he was the only guy to drive over it wow um it was oh my god i was hoarse afterwards i was screaming so loud uh it was it was awesome to have a New England guy show all these pros what's up. <laughs> um, How did the pro buggies do it F and F? So they did they did uh well once the first couple of guys went on Saturday on the on the main competition. So it rained Friday. So the beginning of the day, the, the first couple of guys um struggled because it was still slimy. They couldn't really make it stick. Um, as the day went on, the, the, the course dried very quickly. It turned to dust very quickly, and uh, traction came very quickly. So um, every, it, was, it was really more of uh, the luck of the draw than it was... Um, as far as familiarity with the property, because um, Hans had them running things in different directions than what I do anyways. So there were only a couple of obstacles. There was only one obstacle that you got to run in the, in the direction that I envisioned it and had it laid out. And uh, so there wasn't any real um, advantage there. But so they went and wheeled the next day just recreational wheeling mm -hmm. and i i gotta say they floundered a bit there was broken stuff eugene eugene was leading them up uh devil's bunghole and then he had to like use his front winch to haul himself up while he used his back winch to haul them and extracting <laughs> them and <laughs> 
we were all giggling a bit. Uh, it was pretty funny. Um, I think that there was, for the people who hadn't been here or hadn't been here in 10 years, there was a bit of uh, raised eyebrows like, wow, he kind of wasn't lying, was he? Um, it's really kind of rugged, isn't it? <laughs> um, but I, th but I think a lot of that is uh, familiarity, and um, of course, the fact they weren't running red labels. <laughs> Let's put it this way: the guys that stuck around on Sunday and wheeled, they weren't on red labels. Oh no! And it's all well and good. I mean, you just got to drive a little different without red labels. Red label. The, so, the name on the side of a red label is crawler. It's literally in a name. They want to crawl. Yep. If you're not on a red label, it's kind of tough to crawl because when you when you stop moving, the tire doesn't want to stick anymore. It just wants to fall off. That's what I've noticed anyways. But, um, you know, some are, some are better than others. Like the old style uh, Goodyear MTR sticky is very, yeah. close, to, very close to a red label. Hmm. Um, they sort of have that same... Sidewalls. What's that? Said even poorer sidewalls on the red label. <laughs> <laughs> there you there. might, you might be onto something there. Um, <laughs> I don't have a ton of experience with them, but I know that everybody who's run them here in the in the wheeling season has, you know, been pretty happy with their performance. So, hmm. Paul Barnes is on a brand new a, a new old stock set um, this year on a set of forties that he bought from um, TJ Tanner. TJ bought out. TJ a... TJ bought out a um. There was like a warehouse full of tires from ten years ago, and he bought them all. They were in a um climate controlled uh, out of the sun uh container or warehouse or something, and he was like, "Well, they seem like they're in good shape. They didn't get ruined because of the age. Mm. Let's buy them." Wow. So yep. How do you come across not. stuff like that? That's why I don't know. So, do you have you guys ever run across TJ Tanner? He's um he's the owner and proprietor of uh, Maine Off Road Engineering. No, I've um, I've seen the logo. I've seen the name. I've probably seen him, but I've never talked to him. I I, I don't know. Well, if you guys watched uh, any of uh, Twenty Four Helen Back uh, Flex Rocks and Rollovers um, series from here last. From here last year, mm -hmm. um, he was the guy spotting everybody. Okay, he was Paul Barnes's passenger. He and Paul Barnes are our best buddies, and uh, he was here as Paul's passenger. What he really was here for is to like hands on take care of everybody and pointed he do a good job. Say we're already getting into that subject now. You guys think <laughs> you brain slalom? <laughs> I'm just like Michael Catrini. I am all over the place. <laughs> so let's actually quick step back really quick. And uh, you sure. kind of you explained that my point that I was going to say perfectly is he found that deal because he's probably he was already in that area. He probably was like one of the few people that have ordered from that company and bought yeah. tires from that ten year old stock. And so when they were thinking about getting rid of it all, they're probably like, I mean, let's check in with this dude. He he bought right. three or four sets. Let's see if he wants 14 sets and give him a ridiculous price that he can't say no to, and we just get get rid of him. That's probably right. how he got that deal. Uh, Cody, the I, master liquidator here. 
Hey, you know, it's got to be somebody. Clearly here. <laughs> well, he's he's got connections too in the, in the yeah. whole um in the whole off-roading world as far as uh buying part. Like he he's a dealer for anything off-road. If you like if you want to buy it, um you can buy it through him. Um and he's a fabricator. So he's he's got all the connections for sure. Um So anyways, what were we talking about? We were talking about X-Rock. So yeah. <laughs> that was, that was, I can't believe the stuff that Hans Shearer has those guys drive down. Like he just drives them off cliffs. Oh yeah. <laughs> this, like, yep. I think we talked about this too. I don't know if this is uh if they, if it's how many, it's been run once, right? Or is it twice now? Well, so I don't they are coming again this year for the second time. Um, this will be the third or fourth put up or shut up that they've done. Gotcha. Um, I know that not this coming weekend, but the weekend after they're going to be at Good Evening Ranch doing their first of a of the season. They're only doing two events this season. Uh, Hans and Hans would be a good a good guest to be on your show. Hans this year um, took notes from the Texas event, Katemsi uh, Rocks. Yep. yep. Um, they had a ten thousand dollar payout for first wow. place and he was like you know what people from all over the country went to that maybe i should try and do that and and instead of doing four or six events a year i should just do like two and try and get all the money for the payouts so that's what he's doing this year um and i more power to him i hope it i hope it works out well because he's a good guy and he's he cares about rock crawling in and in on the east coast basically and everybody likes rock crawling to potentially win ten thousand dollars, <laughs> right? <laughs> nothing, Shit, nothing this like cool. that. <laughs> <laughs> Just winning a trophy would be pretty cool. Hell yeah! yeah. <laughs> you get to brag. It sweetens the deal for a lot of people, I'm sure. So, anyways, no. that that weekend is going to, for this year is going to be. Um, you can also recreational wheel where I don't let that happen for humble pie. They're mm -hmm. covering too many trails and I don't want the trails clogged. Mm -hmm. Whereas there's only a couple trails I've got to close for, to accommodate for the competitions. So there'll be recreational wheeling too. So, um, it's a pretty good spectator event, um, in a tighter area. You see more extreme stuff. Um, and when is this event? This is in August. Give me a second. I think I can pull Ooh. up my. I can pull hey, Graham, up. We should go. <laughs> August. I just thought. So the weekend of August 25, 26, 27. Put up or shut up. Oh, yeah. They are. They are. That sounds cool. They are planning on doing at least two days worth of events. Um, I think they want to do qualifying on Friday and competition on Saturday or qualifying on Saturday and competition on Sunday. Um, and as far as I know, they're planning on doing SLRC, but we're still waiting to hear back from Eric, who basically spearheads uh, that portion of it um, to see if they're going to do that, I know that they're doing SLRC as part of their comp at good evening ranch in two weekends or in a week and a half. Um, which is pretty cool. Cause it's got an open class 
to it too. So it's basically like, um, how do I word it? It's like, it's so the open classes for the guys with full on buggies that aren't ready to do it the way the um, pros do, mm-hmm. where no window nets needed. Um, they're not necessarily getting paid, getting payouts. Amateur. Amateurs, still at amateur level. Yeah, because I guess I guess once you um, do a We Rock or an X Rock um, pro level event, they frown on you going back down to SLRC unless you change at least change your rigs. Makes um, sense. Yeah, I mean, if you're confident enough to go into the pro event, once, yeah. why would you back down other than to? Well, I guess if you if you had like a wife that was interested in driving or something, that'd be kind of cool for them. Well, then you're a different you know? person. That's it's a different person doing it. I think that'd be less frowned yeah. upon, right? If whereas if it's you and you're like, oh, well, I just got my ass kicked in the pro level. Let me just go back to amateur. That's like it's <laughs> like going back to college football because because <laughs> NFL was too rough. <laughs> That's like going to the yeah, Olympics, right? losing, and then you're like, all right, parking wreck it is. We're going to some <laughs> dead kids. Yeah. <laughs> going to crush them. <laughs> Which is, so it's funny too, though. Um, so for SLRC this year, if you, if in the open class, if you win the open class, you get an invite to compete in the X-Rock class if you want. So that's oh, a cool, t- cool twist. Like I said, I think the, um, I think you guys would enjoy talking to Hans if you could get him to come on. He's a pretty interesting fella. He's well spoken. He's smart. Um, I like him a lot. I really, I have a lot of respect for him. He's a good dude. Um, right. We'll definitely have to keep note of him and you know throw your name out there because otherwise the turn people don't like <laughs> talking to us. <laughs> yeah, I'll actually send him a message when we're done too. I'll, I'll, I'll. The same way I did with Michael uh, when I suggested to Luke that maybe you guys get Michael on. I instantly shot him a message like, hey, man, you should go on and do this show. You'd be a lot of fun. He was literally the best podcast you guys have ever done. <laughs> well, thank I you. believe it. He was awesome. a riot to talk Wait, with. hold on. You're <laughs> telling me the episode where we barely got to talk was the best episode? <laughs> this guy. Well, I, I think I, I see where this is going. <laughs> so Michael is one of my dearest friends um i have so much respect for him he is one of the smartest and nicest dudes uh, that i know and he and his family are just they're so dear to me um i i'm i own their buggy now or their their samurai it's not a buggy um because as soon as as soon as he brought it in the shop um and he and he started cutting it apart and welding stuff on it I said, I, I, my, I commented, I was the first one to comment on the picture. I'm like, how much and when? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. There, he's, enough, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I don't have enough good stuff to say about him. Um, he really helped me out after the podcast. He was on with me for a good two hours going through the rear suspension on my Jeep. And I just you got to, that you back. too much good stuff to say about him, right? Yeah, sorry. Okay, I, you said you don't have. I got nothing good to say about him. Yeah, I was like, oh <laughs> man, I, I, he helped with my suspension. It's about hey, it. I know what he meant. <laughs> yeah, um, once again, being the group idiot, it's what I'm here for. Um, but he helped me out with that, and I took the Jeep for a drive, like actually down the road today, and it feels entirely different after 
probably what took two minutes to change, just moving the dual rate adjusters. Yeah, it's, it's comfortable to drive on the road again. That's exciting, man. Holy shit. Yeah, it's wild. I'm just impressed. Good drives. for you, man. I'm I'm glad that uh, you're making the right the right changes to it. He, I tell you, if there's anybody who knows shocks and suspension, it's Michael. Oh my god. It's, it's like he said in his podcast, though. He's like he he needs he, he's an information guru. Like he more. I need it more. And then I'm gonna go out in a shop and I'm just gonna take stuff apart and figure it out and no oh. yeah. <laughs> oh, and, and he's a tech guy too and it makes perfect sense especially i think he said he was like a, a um he's it was a, yeah it yeah. but i think specifically like he said database admins every database admin i know regardless of what they do now there's just like a specific like thing or something that got them into that that's just like a personality trait or a mental trait that like i don't know just they're they're very attuned to finding you know all this little data and and making sure it all makes sense right there's a there's a uh tech idiom where it's uh you know uh garbage in garbage out right so they try to make sure they don't have garbage going in and they get really good results out uh and i th i think it applies in a lot more places than just that so uh <laughs> if you want to be smart i guess you got to be a database admin yeah, yeah no I think it's if you're smart, I'm an IT you guy, but be... I skipped that step. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But yeah, that was a fantastic episode. Honestly, I really did enjoy that. And it was oh. cool because he was very informational, but was able to speak well, which is always great because sometimes those can be like, uh, as the guys make fun of me for where I don't like the super technical stuff. But with that one, <laughs> it was just so well done and everything was well-spoken and well-explained. It was fucking awesome. It was great to be a part of it, honestly. He would be an awesome teacher, wouldn't he? He'd be an yes. awesome shop teacher. He, he would be. Uh, oh. He should do um, oh. yes. like a, a shock one or coilovers 101 for dummies. Probably <laughs> save a lot of rigs. So that entire three hours, I was talking to you guys and to him as I was listening in, in the shop, working on motorcycles and stuff. I was, I, <laughs> so when, when I'm into your guest, that's what I do. Actually, I don't even need to know your guest, but if, if it's a cool guest and you guys are starting to, I, I'm just talking to myself, AKA you guys out loud i i'm replying <laughs> to, to the conversation i'm i'm trying to interject myself in a conversation the whole time it's i actually caught myself the other day i'm like you need to simmer down it was during <laughs> harry harry hendrix uh oh that was a good one yep oh he is awesome and and it's it's i picked up on the fact that we had a lot of similarities in the way we we um got into the serious side of off-roading like with the Cherokee like him talking about all the times he rebuilt the springs and made bastard packs I'm like oh 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 I feel attacked <laughs> how many how many times was I kneeling on the on the asphalt driveway taking my leaf springs apart yet again because I either bent one or I wanted to try and make it better or blah 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 <laughs> just do anything with Lee Springs. You got to take the whole thing apart. Yeah. <laughs> Repack them. Yep. Yep. No, he was good. I honestly go, I'll, I'll be honest going into that one. I was like, I don't know who Harry Hendricks is. Luke says he, you know, he's a cool guy. He's got a Cherokee or had one. Now he's got a buggy. Like he, 
he can't be that bad. But you know, like sometimes we get it's sometimes those people know, can right? be hit or miss, right? So and I enjoy everybody we talk with, but he was a he was a hoot. And I mean, we couldn't even after the podcast was over. <laughs> like he just he was like, okay, yeah, I gotta go, and then he'd talk. We talked for like another forty five minutes to an hour. <laughs> like, yeah, I felt bad about just that. Can't put it down. He and Hannah are um are very dear friends. They're, so Harry's part of that crew that I am just in love with. He was talking about Reed Dennis and, and Caleb Spillane. And I, I love those guys. If whenever I'm out on the trail and I run across them wheeling, I come to a screeching halt and hang out with them as long as I can, because they're so awesome. They're so fun. They're so funny. We, we riff and rip on each other all so badly like they all come to my birthday bash um i just love them love all those guys they really so, uh, are great people um like i met reed harry caleb all them Christ. when did you meet them 2017 2015 somewhere in that area oh that's awesome we went to roush with harry in 2014 yeah. oh you yeah. guys talked about that that's right yep Harry, Caleb, Reed. Uh, the only thing I haven't seen yet is Caleb on a big bike, which I feel like that's got to be hilarious. Has he done that <laughs> at uh, FNF yet? What's that ride like? A he used to be huge into the um, the huge wheel. I uh, like the bikes. like the antique bikes. Yeah, that was his thing for a while. No, I've never seen him on that. I'm going to poke that's him about that though. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for the info. <laughs> yep. I didn't know what you meant. I was like, big bikes? His At first, I thought he was talking big about... Bike. Caleb Big Bike on SIS Off-Road or something oh, that's awesome. like that. I, yeah, I wasn't sure if you were talking about like the big donut tire bikes. I was like, well, that's like kind of normal. I was thinking that or like a, like a big wheel, like the tricycles back in the day. Like he used no, to just I rock on like the antique ones. <laughs> oh. So in my world, the dual sport and adventure world, big we consider big bikes anything with a multi multi cylinder engine. Um, yep. So any, anything that's past four hundred pounds, you know, <laughs> usually four hundred and fifty to five hundred pounds. So as soon as you said big bike, I'm like, eh? I know he's thinking about getting a dual sport, but I, I wouldn't pick <laughs> Caleb for getting on a five hundred pound bike. But hey, more power to him. I mean, I just bought one. I just bought I a new. Speaking bike. of which, I was just about to ask. You went with a husky. I'm actually kind of surprised. Why is that? I don't know. There's just it's for me because I grew up riding dirt bikes when huskies really weren't like it was during like that 2006 to 2017 area era where oh, huskies so just weren't that major of a bike until ktm bought them out and what like 20 what was it like i think it was 2020 ish they bought them out and started coming out with almost the exact same bikes and i started realizing the huskies when oh god this one is gonna pull i know that it's an fe like 505 and the 305s the dual sports that they have and then ktm also has the is it the exc's EXC yeah three? basically um and that's when i started realizing like oh shit they're actually starting to come somewhere with these huskies so it's like when you have options like ktm or like i mean technically bmw but like nobody's got bmw money that shit's crazy like why husky so it's funny that you say that i am on my um well technically fourth husky now i 
I got into Huskies back in uh, 2008. I bought a 2006 Husky TE610. This is when Kajiva owned them. Mm-hmm. So Kajiva being an Italian company. So at that time, they were actually pretty decent bikes. They were they were making pretty pretty stout bikes. They were they were pushing the envelope and actually trying things. Um, so I bought a 610 and uh, freaking loved it. What a great bike. Um, and then a, a year or two later, so in 2010, I traded my yellow samurai, the one that you guys see the, see the mm-hmm. picture of every once in a while, jumping the, yeah. uh, <laughs> so that samurai, and I actually showed him that video. I'm like, <laughs> you said you're interested in a samurai trade. This was a, so in 2010, I was looking at a 2009 Husky TE 450. And I had 290 miles on it. And he said, 6,500 or trade for a samurai. I'm like, well, what do you think about this? I said, you probably don't. This is probably more buggy and beat than you want. But here's a video. And here it is. He's like, I'll be there in a day. And we did it. Yeah. So he called me on on my pseudo bluff. But I, that's exactly the bike I was looking for. It was a pretty stout, like it was comparable to a, a KTM EXC at the time, like, but in 2009, this thing had fuel injection, electric start, kick back up, a foot of suspension, blah, blah, blah. Um, I still own that bike. It's got 15,000 miles on it now. Um, and now it's been beat enough where I couldn't get enough money for it to justify selling it. But it's just a good, solid, reliable rider. So I still have it. Um, oh, yeah. So I've never really been afraid of Husky until BMW bought them and the the dark years we'll call them. Yeah. <laughs> um, BMW bought the Husky name from Kajiva and they started cramming their own products down their throat and they were junk. Yeah. Thank God they sold them to KTM because um KTM has definitely changed things around. So the bike I bought, a Norden 901 Expedition, it's basically the same bike as the KTM 890 Adventure R. Um, mm-hmm. So it's the same engine, same chassis, same suspension, um, but with arguably better bodywork. And this particular model that I bought comes with everything that they offer out of the power parts catalog, like the skid the plate. Largest, yeah, I was just about to say the largest skid plate I've ever seen on a bike. <laughs> so that's that's because the gas lobes go all the way down. They they Holy did that to centralize. So it's a five gallon tank, and they the the lobes are underneath that wrap around skid plate. Um, that's so that the center of gravity stays very low. So even at even pushing five hundred pounds, the bike feels very nimble and agile because it doesn't take a lot of force to to roll it left and right because the gas is is carried so low that's awesome Um, which is they they made it sound like it was such a big revelation when they came out with the with the new adventure bikes and two and 2019 from ktm at the time it was a 790 now it's an 890 um that's a big but holy shit on a dual in, sport too. That's that's sizable. Uh, it, it's it's girthy. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely girthy. But there's I mean, a certain sense of um, accomplishment when you're leading a bunch of guys. You're leading a bunch of riders, like ten or twenty guys, and um, 
you're waiting at the intersection for the guys on the small bikes to catch up and they come <laughs> up all, all starry eyed and like, how do you ride that thing so fast on a trail? <laughs> rip it and rip it, bro. Because <laughs> I used to ride around on a Gixxer 1000, which obviously totally different style, but still like that size of bike and tr- thinking about, I mean, obviously gearing and different things change it all up, but like thinking of that much power on an off-road yeah. bike that's terrifying like that is such a large bike and that's sick that you just shred this thing around that's awesome well so the bike i had before this was a ktm 950 super enduro that was literally a 100 horsepower dirt bike that had nothing there was carbs no abs no traction control no anything this new bike has everything like wow it's got all the traction control it's got off-road abs on-road abs it's got bells and whistles and gadgets and hoo-hahs and it's <laughs> it's pretty impressive i'm i've i've only owned it since last thursday so i'm still getting used to it but um that's nah, pretty cool life is short if you gotta buy the thing and um i managed yeah. to sell the other two bikes pretty quickly and uh i managed to sell my super enduro to just the right person the, the right guy bought i don't know if you guys have ever heard of cam Utermarks. Uh, he's yeah, an upstate yes. upstate New York guy, super high horsepower buggy, rowdy yes. as shit. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he messaged me. He's like, dude, I really wanted one of those. I'm like, I forgot all about that, man. Yeah. So trade him I'm this like, for this the is buggy. the bike for you. Yeah. And that's this the is... buggy for you too. So you can just trade him the new bike. You know, you've had your fun for a week and now you have a high horsepower <laughs> buggy. It's perfect. <laughs> no, I don't want a high horsepower buggy. I'm happy with 60 horse. <laughs> i have a whopping 60 horse in the samurai and i am i'm pretty happy i I, I keep getting a kick out of your uh your facebook post showing the the size of the samurai parts <laughs> how funny is that man the little u joint <laughs> i see steering shafts that use bigger joints than that yeah. <laughs> holy shit that's on the drive shaft oh my gosh it's tiny what maybe you just have a big about- hand you know let's can we get a banana <laughs> for scaling because like maybe you just got a big hand do you see the do you see the one where my thumb is next to the front the stock front uh axle shaft? Yes. 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 <laughs> we just got an out outrageous thumb. Who knows? <laughs> I've got lawnmowers with bigger axles than that. <laughs> that's incredible. But it's yeah, 60, that's, anything more and you'd be in trouble. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no doubt. But they're so fun, man. There's they're just oh, they just put grins on your face as fast as you can push the gas pedal down. They just <laughs> they, they just produce grins out the tailpipe. Um I didn't realize that you made that post and I also didn't realize that that stuff was that small. You it really? So have you ever seen a samurai transfer case? You can you can one hand that thing. What? So it's like a little yeah, like you can so you can put a you can grab a samurai transfer case by its shift lever it's, if it's still in, installed in the transfer case and one-handed pick it up and carry it away wow <laughs> they're, they're so ridiculous that's incredible. there's a ton of them down here it's awesome i see like just driving around on the roads you'll i i feel like every time i drive i see a suzuki something whether it be a sidekick or a samurai or just one of those um, 
era of little tiny boxy cars. <laughs> You'd never yeah. see them anymore in New England. It's so cool see, seeing a bunch you of should, like, pretty clean ones out here. You should buy one if you can do it, man. I, I, everybody should experience a samurai once in their life. Hey, if there's one for going for a decent deal, I, I might be able to jump on one. What's they're gentr- they're, they're they're becoming very gentrified now. They're, uh, they're, I know. Yeah, people are asking stupid money, and then all it takes is one or two people that have large wallets mm. that plunk down the money for it, and now a whole trend has started. Now they're now they're out of the realm of re- regular. Every we talked about it last time. Remember when we could get early Broncos? for uh-huh. you know fifteen hundred dollars bought you a nice driver um yeah that those those days are gone not anymore no those not anymore like 25 all day regardless of the condition unfortunately yeah one that's um one that's just sort of a sort of dirty but solid driver is like a twenty twenty five thousand dollar rig yep we had a um one that we were working on in our old shop in beverly it was it wasn't in great shape it wasn't in it was all there three on the tree it was kind of a cool truck straight six so it wasn't any it had no power you had to like redline yeah. it to, get it to move but he sold the guy sold it for like 27 and then yeah, no doubt. And, like bought another one for like 30 something and it wasn't as cool i mean it was cool but like not for the same reasons i like the shitty old one i don't know <laughs> i'm with you i like him i like him kind of like it had so what? much character and the one he got was just kind of like i don't know i <laughs> Broncos when are I, not, I don't love them, but uh, the red one was, red shitty one was super cool, and this ugly, shiny green, mint green thing was a pain in my ass for a yeah, long time. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, they're, they're definitely a, a niche. I love, I love running across an early Bronco that's got uncut rear fenders and um, hubcaps still. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I just get a little, I get a little weak in the knees and teary-eyed. When I when I see that it's mostly stock, but it, maybe it's got some burly snow tires on it, and um, but just all 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 stock and fairly straight, and still has fenders and stuff, and hasn't been overly molested. And yeah, I, if I look inside and it's still got a three hundred tree, oh, that's cool. Yeah, my, it's it's my such a weird one. transmission. <laughs> it's <laughs> it is no doubt. <laughs> just doesn't feel right <laughs> to be pushing the clutch in and pulling your uh you know it just it feels like the prindle and it's not a prindle <laughs> yeah uh, and they usually lose too so it's a oh yeah vague. it's like it's sloppy shifting but you're shifting the it's not a you're not rope in it's not a soup bowl it's like a <laughs> i don't know what you call that like turning the wrench but the belt it's not the right size <laughs> yeah oh yeah there's definitely um like you're using a 15 millimeter six point socket on a 14 millimeter head and it's yeah. like yeah i'll get there I think that's seconds <laughs> yep <laughs> well what else was going on this year i don't was so uh, what were you gonna say no i was gonna i was i was um thinking about how to reply to you so yeah Last year, we still recapping last year. Um, yeah, I guess because there's a big one for last year. Yes, let's let's hit that one. I think I know what you're gonna say. So, so January of 2022, I randomly got a phone call, 
Hey, Bob, my name is Marvin Stammel of Flex Rocks and Rollovers. And I, I'm interested in doing 24 Helen back at your place. And I was, it took me, a, it took me a few seconds. I'm like, really? <laughs> One, how did you get my number? That's cool. And um, <laughs> actually, I think it started, I think it started with emails and then he, he just, he called. Um, I'd be cooler if we just like cold called you out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> I almost feel like he did, but I think that it started with emails. But um so he was like, Yeah, every time I, I make a post on Flex Rocks and Rollovers about where we should do the next twenty four Helen back, I get overwhelmed with um suggestions to go to your place. And I'm like, <laughs> That's all my peeps. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh so I had to sort of talk him into it because at first he was he was like, um, so it's kind of a small place, but I'll trust you that there's enough hard stuff to do. I'm like, oh, trust me. There's so much hard stuff. Like, you won't be able to cover the whole park. And um, so I had to sort of talk him into paying for it because he wanted to He wanted to pay with um, exposure bucks for the most part because he used to go into oh. bigger parks. And, and they... And they give him a free ride. And, and so we did that way back when um, Ultimate Adventure came. Um, we, we didn't own the place at the time, but uh, we covered their expense. Like we threw Gretchen at the time a couple hundred bucks to cover them being on the property for the day. Mm. And um, that was all well and good, but times have changed. And we were like, well, we have Labor Day to give you or we have our anniversary weekend in September to give you. Yep. That's the only dates we have left, Marvin, and it's January. <laughs> so um, he he sort of um, went offline for a while because he went to King of the Hammers, and I get that. Mm. And by the time he got back to me, he said, okay, I want to do it. I said, well, now the only date we have for you is our anniversary weekend. And um, we, I'll be honest, we really don't care if we sell that weekend because we wouldn't mind taking a weekend off and doing you know, husband and wife sort of <laughs> anything <Yeah>. besides <laughs> being on property. Yeah. <laughs> so he decided to take it and um it's all well and good. Um I don't know what I, I I had a different person in built up in my head. But when I met Marvin, talk about a nice guy. He is I I thought I thought I was gonna meet someone who is just talking to talk because he sort of wants to be seen as a big off-roader, but it's just the opposite. He really is an off-roader and he's really passionate about it. And he just managed to figure out a, a very smart way to produce it and put it out there on YouTube and to monetize it. But, Talk about a super down to earth great guy. Like I can't say enough good things about him and the whole crew that that came here. Um so anyways, he ended up coming and bringing his whole film crew. I don't know how much of those films you guys saw, but uh we walked the property Friday and so there's if you go to his page and find um when he started doing the the I think it was Wednesday night lives. Mm -hmm. He did a little behind the scenes thing where he had a little 10 minute video 
that was all behind the scenes Friday stuff. And he actually went through it. It took him like a half hour to get through it or even maybe close to 45 minutes. He did like one premiere thing before all the episodes started coming out. Right. Yes, exactly. Yes. Yes. And uh, so he's, he, he would pause the video like every 10 or 20 seconds and interject, um, which was so awesome. You got to see, you got to see the, $50,000 $50,000 worth of video equipment that they rented for the weekend. Yeah. That they had shipped in. Um mind blowing. They all use the same video equipment. They these guys set up all like they do a lot of work. The the unsung heroes of that weekend are definitely the film people. Mm-hmm. Um they work their asses off. <laughs> I'm Which, sure that's the case. I mean, from we did talk about this, I think, with, with Chris. Chris right? Iotua, yep. Yeah. We were kind of, I mean, though, I feel like the thing with off-roading and filming, it is like, well, do you want off-road or do you want to film it? Like, are you sightseeing right. or are you here to wheel? But, but well, they're, I mean, they're here to do set both. up for two hours or something before they move to the next spot. Like, those camera guys, I mean, props to them. <laughs> that's getting the, sh- especially in the dark, because it's. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how Ultimate Adventure in 2010 was, too. It was agonizing in how long it took. Yep. Because you were waiting for the production crew to get everybody, because they don't want to miss anything. Nope. You, and you can't, because that's literally the bread that's and butter it. of it's, what it's, you're doing. Um, exactly. And you get one so, shot to get that stuff. If you miss it, like, and it's something good, then... And, and people want to see the wheeling, so you don't want to miss any of the wheeling at all so everybody through basically every inch of everything gets full production value yep. so and not to mention like taking a video of somebody off-roading is just like taking a dick pic if you get the wrong angle it <laughs> looks a hell of a lot shorter than it actually is and then everybody hates it so you know you gotta like as as graham was just saying like you have one chance if somebody does something cool you have to make sure you have the right angle to see them do something cool otherwise well, might as well scrap it it didn't happen like yep. that's 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 crazy true story true story so um so we took the whole production crew and marvin and um i think leah hawkman was here early uh eugene was here because he was my tail gunner um and we all went and walked my proposed route through the property which and my i just wanted to supply them with what i thought was the best and i needed marvin to to actually walk the property and see what i'm talking about because until he's here and he sees the trails he doesn't know whether i'm blowing smoke up his ass or not Mm -hmm. so i took him out straight out to elm street and i said I think we should not do the gatekeeper because you guys, that's just going to be a traffic jam right off the bat because you guys are going to flounder in in that. I said, let's bypass that, go in through this rock garden here and then get into Elm Street. I think Elm Street and then the climb and, and that would be great right off the bat. And he was, as soon as he saw it, he's like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. This is great though. Like, so I want to do it. So I showed him all of Elm Street. I showed him all of Sucker Punch. Then I showed him all of Easy Street. And then I showed him all of Devil's Bunghole and Devil's Taint. What we actually got to wheel was 
the first half of Elm Street. Then we bailed, got on safe word, went over to Sucker Punch. We wheeled Sucker Punch for 13 hours oh. until the climb. And only two people went up the climb. Everybody else bailed. Wow. So 13 hours to get to the climb, which is the halfway point of Sucker Punch. And then only two people go up it. Um, and then we crossed the property and, and did Devil's Bunghole to Pete's Pass. Only a couple guys tried to go over, break over rock, Marvin being one of them. But, you know, th- not to take anything away from anybody that showed up. Everybody just... This was definitely a case of these really are buggy trails. These are rear steer buggy trails. And so a lot of times people say that they're wheeling buggy trails and, or they, they say that these are buggy trails. Um, and then somebody in a full body rig comes along and says, yeah, well, I just drove it. These are literally buggy trails. So, um, it definitely gave a few people to smack down. Um, like, so they, Marvin was the first guy in the trail and he pulled cable within 30 feet of entering Elm Street. And that set up a trend of nearly everybody. Um, so let's see, uh, Paul Barnes, who was a trail guide, he didn't pull cable. Um, Zach Capaldo didn't pull cable. Um, I would hope not. That's, that's like home turf for them. Come on. I know. Right. Um, (laughs) Eugene Whitford, who was a tail gunner, he did not pull cable. And um, Matt Myrick, is that is that how you say his name? Is his name so. with a M-Y? He did not pull cable, but he came super close. He came very close at the entrance of Elm Street to pulling cable. He, the video didn't do justice to how hard he fought through there, but he, he mentioned it after he got through uh, got through the rugged part. The next time they interviewed him, he said, wow, I made that look hard, didn't I? Um, <laughs> but then he did rock bouncer shit. When it was time to do rock bouncer stuff, that man stepped up with a stout rig and kicked some booty. He, he drove <laughs> up the left line, back down the left line on the on That's right. uh, K- <laughs> K-Pow climb. Yeah. Then he went over to the right and tried it a couple times and then the last time he hit it he shifted third as soon as his back tires like hit the face he shifted third tires grew and boom up he went it was <laughs> so cool it was so cool it i was like wow that's impressive there you go see that's the first time that any of us who come here all the time got to see a real rock bouncer rig with a real rock bouncer driver do rock bouncer stuff when faced with a rock bouncer obstacle Yes. <laughs> it, so, it was awesome to watch on the video. Yeah. It 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 was it was cool to be here too. We were screaming. <laughs> How did um, the rock bouncer stuff do otherwise though? Like I'm just he curious had, compared to like the F and F trails, because you know, F and F buggies are very different than rock He bouncer. he pulled cable on Sucker Punch before the sun went down, and that that made everybody when he pulled cable on the on the hairpin corner of Sucker Punch, um, that was that made it 100% of the participants had to pull cable. 
um wow. before that was the mo that was the so they had never had a 24 helen back where everybody pulled cable and most assuredly not everybody pulled cable before the sun went down so that put the whole place in a perspective um for a lot of people They're like wow and marvin even said it in one of one of the video clips he's like we're so far over our head here this um <laughs> But he was such a good sport about it. I love that. He was, he, man, I, I, again, I can't say enough good things about him and his whole crew and everybody that attended. Um, it was, uh, it was good to see some asses get kicked. Um, <laughs> how did you feel that that one guy who didn't want to get body damage on his rig? How did you we feel? Had, like, him. because, like, who, like, all respect to that guy. All respect to him, but who goes to Field and Forest and is concerned about body damage? Like oh my that God. to me is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever watched. Where I, you're like, go ahead, sorry. No, no, go ahead. You can. You, um, yeah. I was. I kept thinking you were done. It's all good. Um, <laughs> we, I, I had words with him. I stayed out there for the whole twenty-four hours with those guys, and when he was, he was so upset about his quarter panel being just stove in. Um. And I was like, what did you expect? I said, you're on a red trail at Field and Forest. He's like, yeah, but to to ha have it happen on a tree, so I should have been able to get through that. Somebody should have said something. I'm like, it literally says on our map and everywhere, if you're at red trails, zero regard for body damage. I said, there's there's no way through here without leaning against a tree, period, especially if you're not going to pull cable. I said, exactly. this, 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 there's no way. I we put you in trees on purpose. And um, trees are part of like the help. That's helping you. <laughs> trees are for traction. Exactly. <laughs> like you need to lay against this tree, and now your tires will be in the right spot, and they'll grab traction under rocks. Um, <laughs> like yeah, I was like, this is not like we we were we warn you. Yeah, and not to mention, you, it's not a spotter's job to give a shit about body damage on your vehicle. It's their exactly. job to make sure that things don't impede your way through and that you get through the obstacle as easy as possible. Like, okay, yeah, if you're about to destroy your A-pillar onto a tree and it's going to stop you from going, that'd probably be like the only few times that a spotter is right. really going to care about body damage. So like to say, oh, somebody should have told me. No, I'm sorry, buddy, but no. nobody probably gave Especially a fuck. Especially at Field like, Forest. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, can, you can get away with it at other spots. Like, you see people who don't want to mess up their windshield frame corners on a tj or wrangler or whatever but like there's some times where it's just you you can't like you're gonna yeah. the only way you're getting through that is if you crush that corner and turn it into a smaller smaller vehicle by a fraction of amount yeah. no doubt no I doubt you're right with that cody i don't think that it really once you leave like the blue trails, not even at F and F, you kind of can't really complain that much about body damage anymore. Yeah. You, you come into your own realization that body damage is inevitable. It's part of the sport. Uh, maybe out West you can get away with not getting much body damage. I won't speak for them, but like out this way, like there's trees, there's deer. Uh, you could be driving out. You could be parked eating lunch and a deer, a rogue deer could slam into the inside of your rig. You can't control that around here. Like just got to accept it. <laughs> yeah. We got woods and wildlife here. Yeah. So it's, uh, I don't know. Like I, I just wanted to bring that up because it was something that resonated to me where it was just like, really? Like again, no disrespect, but really? Like, 
you're upset right now. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> well, again, it, it was so it was nighttime, and he didn't get a chance. He was that. That was Alan. He um was the guy that showed up late. Chris Iaswa was supposed to replace him, mm. but then he ended up showing up. So um, he didn't have any frame of reference for the place. He didn't uh see the trails ahead of time. So I don't think he had ever been in a situation where the trail was that gnarly and extreme and that tight, like where it's just that messed up. Um, so I, I, I can't really like fault him too much when he, I mean, he was a nice guy. His rig was gorgeous. Oh my God. Talk about a, talk about a, um, flagrant display of, um, money and, and time and, and effort it was just drop dead gorgeous um actually most of the rigs there like every everything that that showed up was it was pretty stout everything everybody was cool but pretty much everybody was a little starry-eyed even even matt at times but then there's other times so like so he pulled cable so we he, we thought he had a good shot of getting up gene pool um and he he gave it an a for effort to that man um he gave it a bunch of really hard assaults but it just wasn't meant to be it was a little too muddy um so we had to pull cable there so that was cable pull number two what you didn't see on the video was cable pull three and cable pull four to pull himself back onto the trail that he like he fell off of the trail between what so are you guys at all familiar with soccer punch? Uh, I'm not too, yeah, I'm not too sure. Um, so after you go up gene pool, it's on top of this gnarly little ridge. You're basically rock crawling on the top of a ridge. And then you have to fall off. And, and the video showed a lot of these guys doing that, that drop um, where there was a tree on the right that kept them inbound, blah, blah, blah. So just after that, he was the last guy in line and for somehow he got festered up in a spot there and it basically blew him off the trail and he winched himself back on. And then he was just sitting there turtling. He was literally turtling like his, his, his rig was almost doing three sixties on the belly band. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So he had to pull himself back onto the trail twice there and then a winch pull further on and the next rock garden around the corner and then the last winch pull was uh him pulling himself back on its wheels after he flopped on uh devil's bunghole getting into pete's pass mm -hmm. and come to find out that was the first time he rolled it wow <laughs> um yeah I, I think he might have been a little bummed out at that point he's like i didn't expect to pull cable at all and here, Here I am, rolling. <laughs> yeah, uh, but super nice guy. I think he, I think Matt in particular showed up um, with a preconceived notion about me um, because I, I and others who are close to me have always been vocal about this is not a, this is not a um, rock bouncer park. It's a rock crawler park. It's just yeah. is not conducive to rock bouncers, um, and we had never experienced a rock bouncer with a driver who that who, where the rig was capable 
and the driver was capable. So we're a bit tainted, but that doesn't mean that I hate rock bouncers. I mean, I've, I, I've been following their, his page long before he ever showed up to come and do this. And, and I'm a fan. Um, just didn't think that this was a very conducive place to that. So, and I think that he knew that about me. So I think that he was a little standoffish towards me, which I feel bad about because I wish, I wish we, I could have met him and hung out with him without him thinking that about me. But um, it is what it is. I mean, he he wasn't he wasn't nasty towards me or anything. I could just tell that um, he wasn't as he he just doesn't. Yeah, he just wasn't as warm towards me as like he was to to um, say Eugene Whitford who was um uh there and 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 making friends the whole night um <laughs> so it's funny at the end of the day after matt had rolled um basically all the film crews uh batteries were dead and eugene came crawling up through what matt had just rolled on and he crawled through there and then did a nice smoke show getting through pete's pass and just like crawled and for the most part, effortlessly went through everything that Matt just spent 20 minutes destroying his rig on. And it was funny because Matt was filming the whole time with his phone and um, he had the biggest smile on his face. And I, I just thought it was odd. I was like, what's going on here? But then I thought maybe he's appreciating the fact that Eugene is just coming up and wagging his dick at him the whole way and just showing him like yeah see rock crawlers have their place and there are yep. there are places yep. when rock bouncers dominate and there are places when rock crawlers dominate and honestly my only interaction with um matt online had been to that effect i i, I told him I'm like you have to admit that there are places that are conducive to rock crawlers and there are places that are conducive to rock bouncers and that the they don't always mix right mm -hmm. like you guys make stout rock bouncers but i don't think they can go anywhere and dominate and i think that this was a good example for him that he came here and he didn't dominate but he did he he was the only guy to do rock bouncer stuff on the rock bouncer spots like the only the only people that went up um cape out climb unassisted mm -hmm. was um um paul barnes per usual makes Matt. sense matt and eugene whitford um and and paul barnes and eugene whitford did the yes move where they went up the the first bar on the left side they cut across the the ridge and then they finished going up on the right side after doing that butt pucker of a of a turn on the ledge um and matt yeah. was the only other guy to do that and he he just made it his bitch Totally yeah, just I've, made it. I've seen bitch. people do that S turn in videos all the time, and it doesn't always work out. It does not always work out, <laughs> and um, there can be big consequences there. Yeah, they can, there can. <laughs> it, it can it can go bad, <laughs> and that freaked a lot of those people out. Like like Paul and Eugene were the only ones comfortable with that, um, which is funny. So our when we were explaining that line to them, we were basically telling them, "Look, for us." mere mortals the best chance of going up this obstacle without pulling cable is to do the 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 s line that's why we we cut and came up with the s line because it was doable if you've if you've got the 
testicular fortitude. Um, that's a, that's a doable line. Um, the, the line on the right, and especially before the stump came out, there used to be a huge stump down at the bottom of the right line, um, basically made it impossible. Um, the stump coming out has made it at least doable for, um, people who are approaching demigod status. Like, <laughs> um, same, same thing with the left line going straight up the left line is just like, that person wants it. Um, <laughs> But those of us in between who are mere mortals, we can probably <laughs> screw up enough courage to go up the left, cut across the ridge, and then you know turn left again on the on the butt parkery part. And oh, watching him do that was just fucking gnarly. Like I haven't seen it in person. I haven't actually been to your park in person yet. But just videos alone—that's wild. It's gnarly. And the videos don't do any of it justice. Well, oh, if wow. and when, if and when you come, definitely. Be sure to reach out to me and introduce yourself so that I can put a face to the name and um, uh, I'll, 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 bring, the... I'll bring you out there and show you. It's <laughs> sick. Hell yeah. I'll be the fat, obnoxious guy laughing the whole time. That's me. I'll be right next to Chris, so you'll you'll point me out pretty easily. <laughs> awesome. Are you going to come up with their, their club? I, Chris mentioned that you guys were tagging along with them this year. Yes, that is the plan as long as all Some things point. go well in West Virginia. As long as the, the rig's together, yes. I Actually, I'm planning on coming up regardless if, with the rig or without the rig, but I'm hoping to make it with the rig. So It's in October, right? It's the second week in October or first week in October, yes. They come oh, so okay, often that it's hard problem. to keep track. <laughs> oh, I will I'm not be there for that one. Dang it, Luke. He's party pooping, man. Yeah, I'm going to try and make humble pie this year, though. That'd be cool if you can, man. That's a yeah. good one to come and see. So, yeah. That ought to be the best show, right? That's That and X-Rock are the best shows. I, I think that Humble Pie is a little bit better because it's sort it's I don't know, how do I word it? Um, there's something about the the cone dodging that can get a little monotonous, although Hans has turned cone dodging into something way more fun. Like there's, they don't do the the points for backing up and stuff like that. This is just a, a, a clear, the clear the gates without hitting the cones. That's sort cool. of deal. Um, See, I yeah. don't like, I don't like the penalties for backing up and all that stuff. It's like, well, I don't, then you have, yeah. I understand like the, there's strategy involved with having those, the point loss, but it's like, well, you're not really wheeling if you can't back up and like put yourself where you need to be. Just make the obstacle harder. I don't know. Like, so that's cool. I didn't. I didn't know that about that. Yeah, he's definitely taken it to another level. Um, he's introduced um, uh, a fun aspect, uh, an exciting aspect. So, like when they were here for X Rock last year, they had they either had fifteen or twenty minutes on the course, and he had all these gates set up and they were all directional gates so you can only go through the gate one one direction but they weren't in a pattern like you could attack the gates in any order that you wanted um so as soon as like the horn sounded um oh yeah there was the the everybody had sort of a different strategy and they would they would go after what they thought was attainable or or they would have it laid out in a certain way in their head so every yep. everybody that hit the course 
didn't necessarily do it the same way. So there was there was a fun aspect there. That's where, some um, wild variability in like were, routes too, right? Were there, yeah, there, there were a lot of to, gates that people wouldn't even touch. Yeah, were they able to go through a gate forwards and backwards? And then once you went through both ways, it was then dead. No. I know that the X-Rox guys, they do a shootout at the end of their event, or at least they, they did it in Missouri. I forget what property they did it in. Um, I was speaking with Caleb. No, it wasn't smart. It was a different one. Um, I was speaking with Caleb about it. Um, him and his father uh, run a decent bit of the X-Rox stuff. Actually, I think his dad owns it. But either way, regardless of that, um, they did a very similar thing to this, and it's actually cool that they're kind of taking and pulling from each other because... It was like they set up like fourteen gates, and you could go through them any which way. Granted, you have to go like for like front like your front wheels first, but you could come back the opposite way, and you didn't have to touch all the gates. It was just like you had five minutes, go make as many points as you can. It's kind of cool that it's similar to how you were just explaining that. Yeah, if I remember correctly, um, the gates stayed live, so um, like once you went through it, it wasn't a dead gate, and you couldn't molest it, um, and they did not want you running through the wrong way so every gate was directional um i don't know how that would work like if some if if they cleared their back tires on a gate and then if like they threw the clutch in and they rolled back tires back through the gate what would happen no um, you have to go front tires first <laughs> <laughs> um so i don't know well to to clear the gate your your front tires and your back tires need to go through so the gate's not cleared until the back tire's clear. Yep. Um, but it was it was pretty interesting watching guys bounce around and you know like they would look at a gate or they would they would look at a gate based on a past you know somebody who had just gone before and be like oh he struggled there pretty hard I don't think I've got anything for it or they would see where they made the other guys made mistakes and be like oh I've definitely got something for this gate. Um, Eugene and. Charlie Melchner Jr. were the only ones who even tried that gate that uh, Eugene was the only one to make. Um, uh, team Team Melchner uh, timed out there. He basically ran out of time for his gates. Eugene cleared that gate and still had time for one more, and he did the the nasty downhill that only he and Dale Stotler um, did, which was. Again, the things that the, that that Hans makes them drive down is just—I don't feel bad. I don't feel bad about sucker punch, uh, more balls drop at all. Nope. Hans <laughs> is making them go down way worse stuff than what I'm making them go down. Yeah, <laughs> that's. I don't feel bad. He's just driving them off cliffs, man. <laughs> I'm good on that stuff. Yeah, right. Get away from me. It'd be cool to watch, though. I'm definitely excited oh, to go yeah. and check that out this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is a cool show to watch. Um, and it, like I said, this year it sounds like they've got at least two days of um, of action. So that's pretty cool. Instead of just a one day. So last year we had the we had the pick between whether we were going to watch SLRC or X Rock. I went out and watched X Rock because all my friends, most of most of my friends, were competing. I mean, uh. Nate Gilbert and Ricky Barrett and and Eugene were all signed up for X Rock and I wanted to see how they did against the pros. 
Mm -hmm. um, but I also wanted to go see some of the SLRC. I wanted to see some of the street rigs, and I wanted to see some of my friends. Well, you'll be happy to know that New England clean swept that event. So yeah. in, the, in the street class was a New England guy, in the open class, an SLRC New England guy. In um, X Rock, it was um, New England guy, hands down, like by a by a large margin. Um, so yeah, our our guy definitely stepped up and showed that New England has nasty rock crawling and nasty rock crawling dudes. <laughs> and and the the twenty four Helen back people got to see that too. They. That was the the takeaway. All all my trail guides were talking at the end of that video, and that was that was uh, TJ's takeaways. I hope that everybody realizes that there's there's gnarly stuff in New England, in the Northeast, and um, everybody who came and ran their rigs walked away saying, "Holy crap!" <laughs> so, I think we did all right, and and. Again, I can't say enough good things about about Marvin and Flex Rocks and Rollovers. What a what a quality person he's! I'm so glad that he came. Um, hopefully, I'll get to run across him again somewhere. He's a, he's a good dude. Yeah, it'll be interesting uh, to see. I don't. He's he's doing. I know he does more than just the 24 Hell and Back. What's the, what else does he does he do? Oh, he used to do Rain of Rocks, which was a competition. Yeah, yeah. He Does said he he's not do doing that. This year. He okay. said he's not doing it this year. Um, I don't know the reasons why. I think that maybe it was too much production for not enough return on the other end. Maybe I don't really know. Um, but I, I, I honestly know liked those ones a lot. I mean, that's how. Uh, I mean, a couple of the big YJ guys. I don't know why it's always YJ guys that uh, <laughs> grab my <laughs> attention on the Rain of Rock stuff. Other than. Um, uh oh nick leblanc with the silver cherokee which i'm just biased towards. right but <laughs> yeah yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but like overtime and and dwight like and some of those other guys like uh they're just they're always riots to watch and reign of rocks is the perfect like Platform. medium for them i mm -hmm. think just because of what they do <laughs> with their I with their rigs I know uh, I enjoyed I, watching the last one more than I liked watching the one that was out at um out in Texas. Was it mm. was it in the one the year before where Nick was in it? Yeah, was in I Texas. Think that was in Texas. Yep. Um that one was a little slow for me, whereas this last one um was faster paced and just got after it and I thought it was pretty cool. Um I don't know. I almost I almost wonder if maybe um Marvin is having an identity crisis with Reign of Rocks and what it, what it should be or what he's what it's going after. Whereas Twenty Four Helen Back is is pretty well defined, um, which is That's funny. Cool. When I was first exposed to it, I didn't understand it. I thought, well, how do you decide who wins and what's the deal? But it's literally just a twenty four hour trail run. So oh, nobody has its own issues there. Uh, yeah, nobody nobody wins it. It's just a matter of. Um, it's it's everything that that the that um the description would imply it's a it's 24 hours of doing a trail run with people who are you know ribbing each other and yeah 
heckling and one up in each other and trying not to wear the helmet and the pink helmet and and all that um but when it comes when it's all said and done it's really just a camaraderie thing and a and a and just a recreational trail run yeah not so our, much on, like a like a, not gated but sort of pitching people against each other when I don't know. Sometimes it's hard to compare rigs. Like, yeah, you can find rigs that are similar and drivers of similar styles, but even then, like, I don't know if it always... Sometimes it's, uh, I don't know. I can understand why that's tough to uh, sort of market, I guess. Or find What's that, the, the Reign of Rocks? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can... Yeah. So I think that he... he so he's branching... Did you see... Have you seen what he's been doing uh this year like he went out to he went out to washington or oregon and bought that bought that little uh toyota pickup truck and then drove it home to georgia i didn't that's see funny. that but that sounds cool that's like the type so he, of off-roading stuff that i think all of us enjoy <laughs> yeah so he's 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 definitely branching out and trying different stuff and i totally enjoyed that i, I got a kick right out of it um <laughs> You know, because it's a, I mean, it's a 20R engine, not even a 22R. It's a 20R <laughs> engine with a four speed. And he's like going up the mountains and he's like, oh, that's it. That's all it's got. It's 45 miles an hour. I'm like, yeah, Marvin, that's, that's literally what it's got. Like, there's not anything wrong with it. That's, that's like all a 20R engine with a four speed Scott. And who knows how geared that thing is. Like, yeah, you <laughs> you better get out and start pushing because <laughs> it's on, yeah it's it's on 35s and you know it is what it is but oh just some yeah, cool stuff that, that's uh I, just classic like when it comes down to it yeah exactly fun, right if, right it's just fun yes fun stuff and i I'm I'm still an off-roader at heart, or I'm an enthusiast at heart. I mean, even if I hardly have off-road, um, I'm more into motorcycles these days than I am in the rigs. But I'm an enthusiast, and I enjoy all of it. I enjoy the people. I enjoy the I enjoy the blood, sweat, and tears. I enjoy hearing Luke try and make us believe that he's going out to the to the shop to work on his rig after this is all done. <laughs> <laughs> well. I'm not going out to the shop. I'm just taking a quarter drill out there and putting some holes in for mounting some hellas because, like, night riding and shit. But, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know it's, what it's I mean. Oh, yeah. Barrier entry here is low, but uh, time will tell if it happens. <laughs> I mean, the only thing is when you fall behind the barrier of entry is then people just make fun of you. So, in reality, it's really not that bad. People just harass you, which I'm going to get harassed regardless of what I do. So it's really not the end of the world. Yeah, Cody, what are you doing, Will? That's just par for the course. Tomorrow, I'm going to go oh. sit in it and then I'll be wheeling. I'll turn the wheel a little bit and make vroom vroom noises. Exactly. <laughs> Fill the tires up. Look at it sitting leveled. Or no, maybe it's better with the tires not filled up because then you can feel off camber. Yeah, there you like go. It'll give me more comfortable. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Put a jack <laughs> under the other side where like the tires actually inflated. Get some real off camber feel. All going. the tires yeah, flex, are inflated. Flex it out. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> it was sitting for a little bit with no inflation. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. 
was just dead. It's fine. You brought this on yourself. You you literally asked for it. (laughs) Per usual. But um, so other than that, is there any new clubs that are coming to explore Field of Forest or anything else that you're excited for in this past year that we might have missed or in this coming year? Well, you know, I'm I'm a little out of touch. I wish Liza was with me because she could probably fill you in on um different clubs better than myself. She's a treasurer of the NEA, so um she could probably answer that question better than me. I my finger is totally off the pulse of of new clubs and stuff so i don't know i know we had a few new people for the season opener she said that there are a lot of unfamiliar names signed up for summer blast which is our fourth of july which we sold out in like under an hour which traditionally we don't sell that out and like it usually takes us at least a couple weeks if not until the week before to sell that one out just because holiday weekends are a little weird here. Mm-hmm. Um, but that sold out. So we think that um, a little bit of the flex rocks and rollovers exposure probably had something to do with that. Um, so that'll be fun to see new faces there. Um, but no, I don't really know of any. We're actually we actually are closed a few more weekends this year. We took a took a, we took Civil War off. Um, next week is next weekend. So this coming weekend, Memorial Day weekend, is Wheeling for Warriors, which is going to kick our ass. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it's going to be cool though. I'm looking yes. forward to it. Yes. Um, I like seeing that many people here. Um, but we also enjoy. Monday when the last one leaves and we're like, okay, yeah, bye bye. <laughs> Close the um, gate. <laughs> Close the gate, Martha. Um and so next weekend we're closed. Uh it's Liza's birthday. She's turning fifty-five. So um we took the weekend off there. We were closed this past weekend. Um we have a weekend in I think there's a weekend later in June that actually we might be closed also. And the second to the last weekend in July is empty. Um, we traditionally had an event that, that always bought that weekend. And this year they um, decided to take a break and we decided not to fill it. So we're going to, going to take a break in July. We're going to try and take some breaks this year. We're, we're starting to get a little burned out. Um, we're getting I mean, old. I can't blame you. I mean, every weekend having something going on that you, I mean, even if you're not a part of it, you still have to be a part of it. Like that, that's got to be tiring, man. Yeah, no doubt. Um, the the honeymoon, the honeymoon's worn off. Um, the <laughs> what's the other term? The the buzz is gone. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Actually, so it's still there. There are way worse ways to make a living. Don't get me wrong. I'm oh, yeah. not. I'm not necessarily necessarily complaining. But I did you see my my post last week? Uh, who's friends with me on Facebook? I am. Um, I am. I am. Yep. Did you see my post last week? Sitting on the riding mower, sitting on the zero turn, yes. Yes. bundled up. Like I'm. I've so I've got a Milwaukee heated jacket that's on under that, and then that jacket over it. 
and so a lot of that stuff was for dust. I'm wearing goggles and the face mask because of dust. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the 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 joke has always been, yeah, nothing but skittles and beer here, or um, you know, another term people like to use is tits and ice cream. Like it's it's all you know, it's all gravy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm just uh, over here drinking my beer and eating my skittles while I'm making. Ever you do, do you get the chicken salad reference? Making chicken salad out of chicken shit. <laughs> I've never heard that before. That's funny. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a saying. Making chicken salad out of chicken shit. So um, that's that's like a joke between Liza and I. Uh, what are you doing? I'm making chicken salad. What do you think I'm doing? <laughs> you know, tie, tying up baling wire and sticking duct tape to it. Um, <laughs> Um, while I'm counting my millions, cause that's another thing everybody, you know, when we, the first few years, everybody thought that, you know, we're becoming millionaires cause we're charging so much money and there's so many people coming here. We must just be raking in the money. Yeah. <laughs> sure. We are. Uh, you guys don't even like ridiculously overcharge. Roush is fucking atrocious and they just went up again. Oh, yeah, well, um, they they are also covering a a, a a large insurance knot where we're relying on um New Hampshire law as as it pertains to not charging for um recreation. Uh, that's mm-hmm. why we we say we're a campground. We're charging you a camping spot, and the and the off roading is for free. Um, yeah. makes sense. I'm just saying, like, I think they're a. Uh... Just to step foot on the Luke, proper, we've beat yeah. this horse dead Sorry. a million times. Never mind. <laughs> we all know it Rouse is... Creek. It costs a small fortune to wheel a weekend at Rouse Creek, but and... you still want to go though because it's such yeah, a huge it's... place and it's such an adventure, right? There's, like, there's, cool. right? Yeah, you pay a bunch of money, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not you're going to pay a bunch of money anyways because you're going to break something stupid and then you're going to be fixing that again anyway. Like it. It it all comes around, right? Yeah, yeah field and forest is really cheap, does. but I'm gonna blow my shit up, and I'm gonna be spending seven hundred bucks fixing it, at least. But <laughs> so <laughs> it's yes, yes, very affordable <laughs> until I go. Yeah, home. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh shit, that's gonna cost another two grand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's just the cost of doing business. <laughs> so it's funny because there's a weird there's a weird mentality with paying for, like. For me, it's 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 coming here. Like, like that's my frame of reference, right? So I'll just use here and as an as an example. Everybody wants um, a cheaper rate, or for it to be free for them to walk through the door. When that's, if you look at the cost breakdown of their weekend, it's literally the smallest column. Oh yeah, you yeah. know, and that's where they want the break. And it's like. I I think that it's hardwired in some people that they just think that wreck. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the wheeling is free. We're just charging for the camping, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's sort of a, I think that some people just get sort of locked up in their head. Like, um, there's something about coming here. Like they come here as, as just a, you know, a, a camper, of the day and they're like well i'm not wheeling i'm like yeah but it's still you know our base uh, is, is twenty dollars and like all i have for sale is an overnight camping stay would you like to buy a camping stay or a 
a camping stay. I don't have a special <laughs> rate for a camp. You're going to yeah. have a camping stay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you'd like to buy a camping spot from me, I have those for sale. That's what I have for sale. <laughs> so then how, um, how do you guys charge for like a day pass for just a person to like, let's say just spectate for a non-event. Do you get them for like, like how would you, they, they buy a camping spot. Gotcha. Okay. So that's, I was curious on how it worked through that, you know? <laughs> well, so it's once upon a time we used to try and do like the day passes and, and to be fair for, for some of our specific events, we will offer day passes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's basically day use of the campground is what it comes down to. Like for uh humble pie, I think that, we at least traditionally in the past have offered a one day pass because some people just want to come in and watch Saturday's bounty runs and that's all they care about. Um, but for the most part, we don't try and go down that road because it's a whole nother price. And how, like, how do we police it? How do we make sure those people that only paid for the day use GTFO at the end of the night, we don't have a way to police it. Well, so I, I got this. You you paint their fingernail a certain color, <laughs> and if they're still there the next day with not a new fingernail color, you cut their finger off, and then nobody will go past their day. <laughs> I was thinking ankle bracelets. It might be a little less barbaric. <laughs> GPS trackers. So, yeah, but think how sick it would be if Bob had a necklace full of fingers. That's all I'm <laughs> saying. <laughs> so we do have events where we give out armbands, like for the motorcycle rallies, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody that comes in for that gets a gets a wristband. Um, and that's a lot of that is for, uh, dinner. Yep. Um, yep. it helps us, it helps us make sure everybody getting in line is, um, is, is cool to, to be having dinner. Um, other, other times we have, uh, I think one time we, we tried stickers on roll bars, but we've yeah. gotten away from that. Um, I can see those, uh, becoming lost yeah <laughs> yeah exactly like we've done different um different colored uh mirror hangers too um i usually just leave it up to liza she we we definitely have a partnership i i i spearhead everything that's m- mostly everything that's hands-on in the campground except for the bathhouse she does a bathhouse <laughs> thank god because you guys would you guys would be peeing and pooping in a shithole if it was left up to me to clean the bathhouse. But she, it's important to Liza that we, uh, even if it's a crappy bathhouse, that it's at least a clean crappy bathhouse. Um, so she takes it upon herself to clean that every week and and do her best to make it as clean as she can. Whereas I take care of the whole rest of the place, everything to do with the whole rest of the place, I, I do because she does everything on the administrative side of things. Like she figures out how to make events happen, and she figures out the logistics of dealing with people, and she deals with selling the tickets, and she deals with, you know, doing all the cool Liza things. She deals. She checks in most people um, every weekend. Because she, she takes it upon herself to be the person that's in the check-in shack and and doing all that. She's giving me funny looks now because she doesn't think I should be talking about her. 
He definitely seems like the unsung hero of that place. <laughs> not to downplay any of the work you do, but administration is, is important. Very important. Liza is no doubt the unsung hero of this place. I know I said it in the last podcast. If it wasn't for Liza, this place would just be Harris Mountain. (laughs) Not that there's anything wrong with that. Well, I mean, there is when it disappears. Well, exactly. (laughs) And, and like it would be, we'd be on borrowed time or it would just like, it wouldn't be cool. Yeah. Liza makes it cool because she, she's, not afraid to push for the structure. I mean, we have rules and, and I know that a lot of people are turned off by our rules. Um, you know, I I get it. I, I, I can see both sides of it, but for a sustained business model for a sustained place, we, we We, just have to have rules. rules and structure. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise it turns to mayhem and, um, people dying and shit and you guys don't need that in your conscious and whatnot (sighs) exactly we don't we we don't want that part and plus we want our place to be sustainable for the following weekend too like we don't (laughs) our we don't want people moving uh fire pits because i don't want the people coming the following weekend have to deal with another burn spot on the grass yeah you know um we try and do the best we can as far as uh, sticking to rig requirements per per trail difficulty because we're trying to make the trails at their current difficulty last more than a week. Yep. Um, although I've taken to, <laughs> it's a running joke between Eugene and I, I say, um, ah, use it up, tear it up, dig the holes. The only way we're going to stay harder than Badlands is if you guys tear it up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's literally just a joke because I have no ill feelings towards towards Chip and and his place, uh, the Badlands. Like, I I think that New England needs more places like that, not less. So, the last thing I would want to see is that place go under. Um, mm-hmm. um, I I'm I'm a I'm a fan. I'm a proponent of places like that, but I also like to have my fun with my friends. And, <laughs> and, uh, so, so that's, that's our little dig is that uh, the only way I'm going to stay harder is if you guys tear it up. So <laughs> bolt those 46 inch USDs on Let's go. <laughs> Speaking of this, um, the guy we had on last podcast, I forget his name and I feel like a jackass for it. Harry, he made the statement oh, yeah. about how like 42s and 43s are becoming the norm for tires these days. And how much do you like, how do I word this? I kind of fumbled it in my head. Do you feel at some point you are going to have to adjust trails for how big the holes are that are being dug? That's a good question. I've actually already thought about if I need to um, mandate competition tires on the red trails, for example, because they're so gnarly. I haven't. And um, that's going to be a tough one for me to cross, but here's the flip side. You're in, you're, you're, you're kind of dumb. If you try and go down any of our full red trails without sticky tires of some sort, they're so the holes are so big. And 
the the rocks are so big and they're so it's just so messed up that DOTs have absolutely no chance unless it's in the middle of drought and you pull barns with rear steer. <laughs> um, otherwise, you know, it's a the trails just the red trails are not fun here on DOT tires. So I have given it thought. I haven't given any thought to have actually happened to um change the tire size because I feel like so once you're on a set of 37 inch like red labels for example um you can get down any pretty much any trail here you might have to pull cable a few times here and there because the because the holes are so big and and the 37 just is having a hard time keeping the diff clear but it's it's not a it's not a game changer like i can like there's still guys who who hustle down most of the trails here on on 37s and and don't really have a problem although ricky just ricky barrett just upgraded to 39s on lemon drop on oh, dana wow. 30s rip those dana 30s oh boy <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah we're all like Ah, oh, dude, you go, but ooh, it's gonna make a big bang when it makes a big bang. Yeah. <laughs> but it's pretty cool. It may just twist and then <laughs> yeah. <just> crumple. <laughs> but more power to him, man. He's getting it done, and he the to see him show up um, the week before. He showed up uh, Saturday for uh, the season opener, and. Um, just the look on his face with the with the fairly fresh thirty nines on. He was so so happy to be out and and checking it out and seeing if and what's going to break and seeing how much better it went. And he was pretty happy. He went up something that Caleb Spillane spent twenty minutes floundering on and had to pull cable on. And Ricky came up right behind him and and spent like five minutes on it and drove it. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, it shows that it was it's fun. Working. So I don't know if I ain't. Yeah, right. Um, he's got to drive very gently. Mm. He's got to be careful of the holes that he gets trapped in. Um, so I'm not sure if I answered your question. Um, I hadn't haven't really given that as far as tire size and, and changing like my whole scale. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever really will. Um, to be honest, if anything, I'll just change trail classes although what's past red purple uh purple i think is an in-between of red and black isn't that how roush does it with their purples oh i don't know roush is all over the place it's just yeah whatever color they decide it is um maybe pink. Pink. What's worse than pink red? double red diamond it's a red. red diamond double <laughs> red <laughs> it's a double, double red. Red. <laughs> it makes me think of that double rainbow guy that on youtube <laughs> double <laughs> rainbow. two reds it's not one it's <laughs> twice the difficulty yeah right but i think you, um, i think you answered it well enough i think asking how mitigating like extreme trail of deformation was kind of the lead of my question when i first thought of it so you answered it perfectly honestly i just i'm curious on how how people are going to adjust if you guys don't adjust for the extreme changes that happen year after year with Field and Forest. I think it's going to be pretty cool to see. They're going to keep building badass buggies made just for this place, and they're going to keep running uh, bigger and bigger tires. Like, 
Well, 30, 39s are now the small tire and 42s are like, if, if, if you want to get shit done, you're on 42s. Um, let's see. So how many years have we done Humble Pie 2017? So six years we've done Humble Pie. One year, somebody uh, won it on 39s. That was uh, Brendan Kavanaugh. Every other time has been 42s. Um, it's just one of those deals that they get so much more traction and have so much more clearance yep. that um, they're just uh, changing the game. Mm-hmm. Have you had any of the big bouncer tires like the 43 uh, USDs come through there? So we've had a couple guys on USDs. Cam Utamarks was here last year on. Uh, so what's the. He's on 46s now. What's the size down from that? 43. Is it 40, 43s or 40s? 43s. Um, he, was on, he was on that size. And uh, again, that was at Wheeling for Warriors. And I was off property leading a class six run. So I didn't get to see him. It was all secondhand uh, uh, info that I was getting. But I guess... He, he had a tough time on uh, Easy Street, which is not a surprise. And he even he'll tell you it's not a rock tire, but it works where he is. It's a dig tire, and he's got these giant hills with lots of loose material. So, um, and he snow wheels too, and and uh, you know they're they're perfect for that. They're def- they're just not a rock crawling tire. You just can't. You can't expect something with voids that big to do anything really good on rocks. Even even though you think that the that the big paddles act like fingers, nah, when the rocks get extreme enough, you can't rely on fingers yeah, to do it, work. You uh, still need a, contact. On a flat face or a round round rock, fingers aren't gonna grab anything. Yeah. That's a true story. Um, surface, yeah, surface area. That's the sur- key. That's why that's why slicks work so good here yep, when they're yep. bald. Um, <laughs> it's literally just math and science at that point. Um, in 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 the math and science of the of the awesome tread compound. Not that I'm a BFG fan or anything, but if I was, <laughs> <laughs> he's not a tire scientist, but he knows which ones work the best. <laughs> Here, I know which ones work best here. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's really all I care about right now because I'm pretty much a property snob at this point because I can't go and experience anywhere else. So <laughs> I might as well just. Well, you got to be your own cheerleader for your own property. That's, that's acceptable. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was all down with going to uh, Devin Noise's, going to the jungle, the winter. Jungle Bash this year, and Liza and I ended up driving out to Missouri to surprise my sister for her 50th birthday, so that didn't happen. And of course, I can never make the summer one, so I'm going to miss that. I guess I'll try again for next year's winter one and and hope for the best, because I've I've yet to even see the property. But I love Devin, and you know, half to two-thirds of the people that show up to that, I'm I consider friends and love to hang out with. So I, I'm desperate to go to do something other than field and forest. But this is the this is the beast that we're married to. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's one spot I'd love to love to check out. I uh I think I don't know if Which Chris property is this? The jungle. Oh the jungle. Yeah. I don't know if Timmy or Chris or somebody invited me. I got the invite, but I there was another trip going on or I had other work to do on somebody's rig, so I couldn't make it, but definitely want to hit that one. I think it was the winter one too, and I was like my rig probably doesn't have any business there in the winter. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's a. I've seen really cool videos and pictures of, of stuff out there. Be cool to check out. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about the place. And, and Devin and his family are just solid, such solid people. I love Devin. So we have a. <laughs> so we haven't even talked about Humble Pie the, last year. So Nate Gilbert. Uh, won it again. I threw him a curveball this this past for. I threw him a curveball for 2022. I added something to the to the bounty run. So you guys are familiar with the format of humble pie, right? You know it's um yes. They have 24 hours to to qualify running six red trails. It's they have to run everything sucks. Everything sucks. Redux sucker punch, Elm Street, Summit Street, and um. Why am I missing one there? Summit, Summit Street to Easy Street. Did I miss Easy Street? Maybe yeah, that was yeah. the one. Yeah, you missed Easy Street. So Easy Street. And so Summit Street is meant to be a preamble to Easy Street. So that's probably why I saved Easy Street to last. So anyways, so they have 24 hours to run those six trails. And they show me pictures of, of doing that. Then that qualifies them to run the, the bounty run, which is Nelson's Crawl, which ends at the beginning of Devil's Bunghole. Devil's Bunghole ends at the beginning of Devil's Taint. So they have to run the gauntlet of all three of those. So this year I added like two-thirds of the way through Nelson's Crawl. Nelson's Crawl just zigzags back and forth between Green 2 and Lake Trail. Well, on one of the one of the curves where Nelson's Crawl gets really close to Green 2, right across from that is a is a little red obstacle like a little shoot it's probably like 40 yards long 50 yards long called sidewinder and um i made it this last year so that they had to do that also mm-hmm. and to- totally threw them for a curveball like the the people who hadn't been talking to me the weeks leading up to it were totally surprised they're like um what, what are you even talking about i hadn't, didn't even know this existed i'm like well it, it exists and <laughs> there it is it. Yeah. <laughs> so so Devin was one of the one of the one of the earlier guys. Like he was in the first half for sure. Like maybe even in the first third of guys who who got a shot at running the bounty because they basically run the bounty run in the order that they qualify. So it gives you incentive to run the the guys who want to run early. They they run through the the qualifiers you know fairly quick. It it sort of gives a reason to to push yourself through the 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 qualifying runs at a quicker speed. You know. Mm-hmm. so he was one of the first guys through there and don't you know that he moved a rock the size of his jeep like he mm-hmm. just caught it it was towards the end of it like as just about when he was cleared it when i say this rock is massive when it, if you guys come up this year you'll see it because he painted d rock on us so i said that that's gonna be named for you now that's D Rock, Devin Devin's Rock, D Rock, and so he he went up with a spray can and painted it D Rock. It's it's at least half the size of his Jeep. It's just this massive, 
monstrous rock that he just stove his jeep into and dragged down this hill and he completely rearranged it for everybody and it's in such a messed up spot that it screwed everybody up we had i think we had like four people at least uh time out before they got to nelson's crawl so i think it's 40 or 45 minutes you have to do the whole run but the caveat there is you have 20 minutes to clear Nelson's crawl. So you have to, you have to be crossing the devil's bunghole sign in 20 minutes or under. Mm -hmm. If you don't clear that within 20 minutes, then your whole bounty run is gone. Um, yeah. Um, and I did that right from dear year one, uh, in year one, it was, you had a, an hour course time, with the caveat that you had to clear Nelson's crawl in a half hour. And as everybody got faster, I've been knocking the times down and knocking the times down. And that last year, instead of knocking a time down, I just added an extra obstacle that screwed everybody up. <laughs> so yeah, we figure that if you can't clear Nelson's crawl in 20 minutes, that you're, you're, you're screwed anyways. And we got to try and get everybody through in a timely fashion. So, yeah. and everybody's pretty on board with that. I had a, the, I think that's the first time that I've ever had to DQ anybody for not clearing Del Nelson's crawl. And there were like at least four people. Wow. Um, that's wild. Yeah. Taylor Katrini, uh, didn't do it in time. She was in a borrowed rig. Uh, I think Mike Craig didn't do it in time. Um, there was at least one or two other people too. I can't think of them off the top of my head, but uh, might have been, might have been Chris Dinneman. Might not have mm -hmm. got there in time. Um. Oh my God, Chris Shinneman talking about the cat. <laughs> oh yes! Holy <laughs> crap! Those pictures. Oh my gosh, is gruesome. I. I was in awe, like listening to that podcast was great to begin with because he's such a, he and Kate are so awesome. And then that extra 20 minute bit at the end, I was like in awe. I was like, what am I even hearing right now? These guys just dragged us out of him. This is awesome. <laughs> and I love that he was happy to talk about it, but it's just, that is the craziest thing to me. That like they're I, mean, I guess cats are venomous in a, after a certain amount of exposure and, and puncture and shit that blows my mind. I never knew that. Yeah, right. Keep cats the fuck away from me, man. Yes, I'm good <laughs> on that. No cats for you. <laughs> fuck no. They live under his single wide, so uh, he's biased. <laughs> <laughs> I heard one meowing last night. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> you hear him every once in a while. It's odd, but you know the floor is meow. It's normal. <laughs> 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 meow. <laughs> it do be like that. I can't argue. Um, we've got like three of them in the neighborhood, and they're all kind of cute. But I don't want them. They're good from twenty feet away. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're good to wave at. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at there's the cat. <laughs> Hi, oh. kitty. Bye, kitty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Next time you're going to show up to an event, instead of a bird in the Jeep, it's going to be a few cats hanging out. <laughs> he was talking about one got stuck on the, was in the Jeep when he was towing it 
uh, like away from the house, I'll let you tell the story. I mean, there's not much to it. <laughs> you saw the cat jump out of the window. <laughs> oh my god! Off the trailer. <laughs> yeah, so I pulled out onto the road, and this cat was not happy about it. And those of you that know my Jeep know that where my coilovers mount in the rear, there's a big opening. So I saw this. It was the orange one, Graham. <laughs> uh, so I saw this it's always orange fuzzball hop out from like inside of my jeep onto the tire and like i'm only going like five miles an hour then he hops down onto the trailer and off the trailer and skitters away into the yard and i was like huh, well good for you buddy <laughs> not relocated today <laughs> you live to fight another day <laughs> yeah you're not ending up in west virginia <laughs> Yeah, that'd be something. That'd be a long ass drive. <laughs> I think you yeah, own the cat at that point. <laughs> you the lucky kitty. Back, there's just a cat on the trailer. <laughs> yeah, cat on the trailer, bird in the Jeep. <laughs> the bird that? was just insane. Oh shit. Um so do you have any do you have any motorcycle like events not for at Field of Forest but that you're excited that you're going to? I got any rides coming up? I had big plans for rides this year. Um unfortunately I may not be able to do what I wanted to do. I had big plans to do the New Hampshire Flatlander Adventure Route, which is 500 mile route around uh, New Hampshire. I had big plans to do Northeast Backcountry Discovery Route, or at least the best parts. I wanted to do Massachusetts and Vermont part of that, and then come back um, down through Vermont on uh, what's called a Dirty Dog, which is supposed to be a pretty pretty cool loop. But um, I'm a little up in the air as far as a uh, what's going on with me so i'm i'm i don't think other other than other than what's going on here i'm i'm not really sure i'm going to be able to do anything this year i know it's a bummer even though i just bought a brand new bike um hey get uh, you something to hope for you know get something to think about for next year yeah um i'd love to tell you more about the bullshit i've got going on but i don't think it's for public consumption on a podcast but uh yeah, whatever. I, could, I mean, I yeah, could probably tell gonna... you guys offline or something. But, anyways, I I I don't really know. I'm I'm a little up in the air as far as uh, my adventures go this year. Mm-hmm. I might just be I might just be stuck having adventures here at Field and Forest this year. So um, who is such a such a bad place to have adventures at? You know. <laughs> well, yeah. There's there's worse <laughs> ways to make a living. <laughs> So um Nate Gilbert became our second two-time winner at Humble Pie this this past year. Mhm. Which was uh pretty cool. He's also the guy that just built Eugene's buggy. And I invited so it's so it's funny about that. I was looking to invite a bunch of the guys from X-Rock mm-hmm. to to compete in Humble Pie. And only one team took me up on it and that was um Dean and Danny Benner. Dean is Dean is dad, and the guy that built the buggy. Danny is his son, sixteen year old son that has been starting to drive over the last year and a half. Don't you know he came in second place? Wow, that's exciting! Super cool, and talk about a quality family. Um, I can't say enough good things about those about uh, the Benner family. Um, 
super quality people and uh it was actually pretty cool uh danny is a is a pretty humble and 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 quiet spoken kid and um he puts his driving where his mouth is and it, it, it was i just wanted to give them a shout out before i before we moved on um that that, that was pretty cool it was a cool year having some some new faces having um Chris Shinneman step up and and uh, take the take the run. At first, he was like, "No, no," and then he's like, "You know what, Bob? I'll take that spot if it's still open." Um, that was cool. It's always meant to be. Um, it's always meant to be a thank you to the people that that uh, support us. You know, people yeah, show that's... up a lot and are willing a bunch. Like, I think I may have been talking to you. I don't remember when I was there, and you were just. You know, I think we were making fun of Timmy because he, you know, he had, <laughs> you gave him a spot or something, but he, he hadn't, he hadn't had his rig running the whole year. Uh, I don't, I don't know if he ended up competing. So or not. I think it was dependent on whether he could get it running. You, you give him a spot, but that's funny because he actually worked me over for the spot. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't giving him an invite because he hadn't been there with his rig all year yeah. and it was down. And like no hard feelings or anything, but like happens, but. you know, if somebody's rig is down for the season, it, and they, I, I'm not going to go out of my way to like give them an invite because yeah. you know shit happens and and whatever. Um, he actually worked me over for that <laughs> spot, so I gave him the spot. Um, Did I think I, <laughs> yeah, very minimally, but okay. he was, yeah, he yeah. was, it was, it was in. It was in that that time when his rig wasn't running right. He couldn't make the um the holly whatever is on it work run right and so I don't know. No judgment on my part. I don't I don't really care. I just want Yeah. I want people to have a good time and I don't want people who come and watch to get bored. I've actually asked that before. I'm like, so do I need to like change it up? Do I need to get fresh faces in here? Like at what point do I not invite the same people over and over? And uh, Eugene explained it to me. He's like, you know, Bob, there, it's it is what it is. It's always meant to be appreciation for the people that show up and wheel here, and the local people want to come and watch local wheelers. So yeah. don't sweat it. So I took that to heart, and I, I guess I won't sweat it. But I'm also not afraid to give an invite to um, people like like X Rock last year, for an example. I hmm. I basically invited everybody who was a pro who who um, did better than like two gates and invite. Um, most of them couldn't because they had um, prior engagements or whatever. But uh, you know, I think this year, I think now that they saw. Dean and Danny do so well and and of course Dean will Dean will tell stories and and also Hans actually came to Humble Pie and he spotted for Joe Desenzo who was an X-Rock competitor and he was in Humble Pie so he got to see firsthand and I think that I think that more of those guys will be more apt to want to be part of it cuz Hans left with a favorable impression and the banners left with a favorable impression. So 
might be able to get some of those some of those bigger professional names to step up and and show us what's up or we can show them what's up yeah that's that's always cool when you get a you know the recognition from professionals quote unquote uh people who i don't know do they is it it can't be a job right no i guess they win a lot so the I guess the the basically the definition of being a pro is that you get paid for it. Paid, yeah. I was gonna say, don't get it your job. Okay, you just get paid. Okay. You're getting paid. Yeah. yeah. Or the chance so of payout. paid. Yeah. So basically, everybody who's um won humble pie is a professional rock crawler, rock racer. True. Because they've all won won a cash payout. Hell yeah. I think, I mean, do you have to specifically win? Because you like, even if somebody doesn't win the Super Bowl, they, uh, they're still a professional football player. Yeah, yeah but they're getting paid to play football. What about a <laughs> motocross rider? If you're in the pro class, just because you didn't win doesn't mean you get paid. So how does that work? Now we're getting into the kerfluffle of it. That's a gray area. Um, that. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't really know. Pay them all a nickel, so that way they can all call themselves a pro. <laughs> Yep. Like, well, you got paid. I mean, you spent more than what you won, but still won. <laughs> I don't. I don't think you necessarily need to be um, labeled as a pro to run in like pro class. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Um, like I don't know that. Um, oh, that's a good. Good question. That, that's. <laughs> No, it really is a good question because I was just going to say, what happens if you if you run in a class and you never place? Um, but it was considered a pro class. Do you are you considered a pro? Only if you make it into the main event, I guess. I don't know. You're just an amateur that somehow got thrown into the pro class, I guess. Well, yeah, amateur- exactly. And then is it a point system? I don't know. I think we're going into the weeds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> stuff that I don't really know. Either about, way, but. I would not if if somebody who ran uh humble pie wanted to call themselves a pro, I wouldn't contradict them. <laughs> no. Right. Well, there's there's one, two, there's four four guys that can say that they're pros because they're winners. Eugene, two time winner. Nate Gilbert, two you two time winner, and then um Andy Boris, one time winner, and and uh Brendan Kavanaugh, one time winner. All have all have paid out so. They can they can call themselves pros. Well, plus Brennan Kavanaugh was already a We Rock <laughs> guy, anyways. Like he was already running We Rock, and I think he dabbled with uh, Hans's uh, X Rock series some too. So, um, and he was probably successful enough to at least place, if not win. So um, he probably got payouts, so he could call himself a pro. <laughs> they need like a they need a professional rock crawler badge of honor like those little trail badges trail rated yeah trail rated badge from jeep <laughs> <laughs> professional crawler right <laughs> can, you, can you imagine if we had um jeep trail rated uh the, so what's the word for the for those badges when you when you do a trail i think it's um, badge of honor i think that's what it yeah. is can you imagine if we had badges for here <laughs> yeah, Devil's Taint. I got the badge of honor for Devil's Taint. <laughs> <laughs> a full body Jeep. It's it's actually I love that you brought it up because I was thinking I was thinking about that like when we were at AOP and then just some of the other properties like that I've looked at the names of and I'm like, 
I keep thinking back to Field and Forest's names. <laughs> like, wow, you know, we we really know how to name them out there. They're way more entertaining <laughs> than the stuff that they've got. Like AOP, it's Trail Forty One, right? That's nothing fun I mean, about yeah. that. They've got like Cream Pie, Granny Templeton. Yeah, no, but they had to rename it because, ironically, somebody got a you know mad at the trail name or something. They somebody was saying so it used to just what? be Cream Pie, but now it's Oatmeal Cream Pie, as to not make people mad. Oh, are you kidding like, me? Completely Dude, who doesn't off love the wall for the pie? south. What the fuck? I don't Jesus. know. This. <laughs> Meanwhile, we, we go. Granted, you have like normal trail names like Easy Street, which is I don't know. I <laughs> find that a, I find the Easy Street just to be a funny name for a trail, and Dude. then all the all the off the wall crazy ones like uh, you know Devil's Taint and Bungalow. Nothing is worse. Nothing is worse than Badlands in the emergency exit is a fucking black. Dude, nothing in the entire continent. Really, that would traumatize you. <laughs> no, it was just because I was tra- I was leading trail. I knew we had people who were fucked up. I had a cranky ass passenger at the time. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to take emergency exit, get us out of here. And then it was just like, what the fuck did I just bring us into? Like, what? Like, it, and honestly, God, it really is not even that bad of a trail to go down. Coming up is a lot worse. But to this day, hands down, worst name trail of all existence. Throwing it out there. Badge of honor. That's, that's awesome. Yes. I agree with that, Cody. <laughs> that is so awesome. <laughs> that's actually an awesome trail name. Oh, it's, it's something. It's great. <laughs> I think it's an evil trail name. I would be pissed about that if I was trying to limp like a, you know, Jeep with the ball joints, you know, on a skid or something like that out through there. That would piss me off. Hey, you'd you'd you get through it. It's downhill if you're actually yeah. using as it as, as an exit, I guess. So, you know, we dragged my thing down uh down the buggy trails at AOP. It all worked <laughs> out. You don't need to have a functional rig to go downhill. Uphill, it's harder. <laughs> and you'd be amazed where you can go down. Yeah. As long as I've got the yeah different. So yeah, Easy Street is. Is short for easy to break your shit street. Oh. <laughs> Elm Street. Elm Street is because everything's a nightmare. So it's nightmare. It's a nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I put that one together, but I Easy Street. I didn't know the origin of, so that's cool. Yeah. Well, I, at least I don't know if that's official, but like that's the for 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 fifteen years. Anyways, that's always been the. The way it's described as easy street is easy to break your stuff on, easy to break all your shit on. Um, so I just ran with it. I just assumed that that's why they called it easy street. Um, and of course, uh, everything sucks is self-explanatory. Yes, yes. That one's a that one. That one's a dick. <laughs> one of my favorites is it. Uh, everything sucks. Redux. That's Redux. There is no good reason to go on that unless I'm making you. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> it's a it's a nightmare, and everybody will tell you it's just a it's just a jerk of a trail. And the the only reason that anybody anybody who's in the know only runs it to practice for humble pie because I'm going to make you run it on humble pie. <laughs> and that's about it. So how oh, far or, is that from the from the parking lot? Because I feel like that's the hike I'm going to be making at Humble Pie. So how far <laughs> would you say? Oh, it's probably a 
15 nothing in the park is more than 20 minutes away oh perfect um, i'm not gonna lose weight hiking around perfect i'm in oh god yeah no the place you can you can hike faster than most people can wheel around a property no oh. doubt especially perfect. once you if you're carrying a map and you start learning the shortcuts like oh yeah <laughs> it's a short walk um so last year for x rock on the day of competition we didn't allow any wheeling because we didn't want we didn't want it to get clogged up for uh the guys driving their rigs in and out for for com competition purposes um and it's it, literally it's like a 10 or 15 minute walk out to um the classics road where you can stand and watch uh the competition happen and it's like that for almost all the trails 20 minutes is taking your time so <laughs> oh yeah the so the <laughs> One of one of the upsides of the place is yeah we can break at the furthest place away and we can hike out and get parts and get tools and hike back in with parts and and uh, yeah it's the, no big deal yeah it's the beauty of of the doing <laughs> yeah, parts off roading scene is it's so it's, easy you don't have to like contemplate about are we leaving it on the trail like <laughs> you leave everything on the trailer. <laughs> or are we are we leaving it in the in the woods i mean though like uh oh. when we were at aop i don't know that's like a really for a lot of parks that's not something you do but like when you're seriously fucked like your axle is not under the rig anymore or you've got a oh. lot more to drag up uh and it's getting dark and you're not gonna there's other things that <laughs> need to happen like it's you have to make that call right? <laughs> and then you're like eh. uh you know it's weird and i do like that about the new england stuff is you break even if it's catastrophic just drag it out uh fix it in the in the lot yep or or walk out and get it the next day. morning exactly like oh yeah it's seven o'clock at night and my shit just blew up um i'm gonna just walk out and and drink beer and eat food and I'll get this tomorrow when it's light out again. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm out. <laughs> yep. Yep. The walk of shame. Mm -hmm. We see many people do the walk of shame. <laughs> <laughs> that now that's the sticker that you got to get made. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. Walk of shame. <laughs> I, I <laughs> walk of shame survivor. Yes. <laughs> made in and out without breaking an ankle <laughs> yes oh i'm on it i'm so gonna do it yep walk of shame survivor with a funny little stupid graphic or something you gotta like yep. find a picture of somebody's broken rig and break it down somehow you have to have a designer do it or something but somebody who's good at art yep oh yeah i'm on it i'm on it that'd be funny good one so what, what else what else uh, you want to talk about i don't know i was just trying to think of something to come up with luke's been a little quiet so maybe he's uh yeah he's, he's got to be brewing something up over there but um hmm, hmm, hmm. So, is there any new rigs that you've seen on social media that you're excited to see has anybody built anything new or changed anything that gets you excited um not that i haven't already seen in person um Yikes. to be honest uh 
I don't really follow a lot of builds online. Um, I don't really have a good reason why. I think it's because I'm not really heavy in the off-roading scene anymore myself. Like, mm-hmm. I'm still an enthusiast, but I don't care about building anything myself anymore. So mm-hmm. I only follow close friends when they're doing cool stuff. Um, I am interested in seeing Dave Smiley's rig, um, which is uh, I, which is um, Michael Catrini's rig that he just built that he brought the King of the Hammers. Yes, yes. I am interested in seeing that in person. I'm, I'm looking forward to comparing size differences between that and Eric Swenson's. Although I guess uh, it's pretty much based on Eric Swenson's, right? That I do I remember Mike saying that that um, yeah, they're similar. It was sort of that size. Um, But anyways, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that new one. I can't wait to see Chris Shineman's baby buggy when um that that makes it here that's i'm um, can't wait that's gonna be awesome that's, that's exciting i'm excited for chris for for winning that it's always fun yeah yeah i am really too cool raffle stuff like that and he's such a quality person that i'm so yeah. glad that somebody of good caliber got that someone who's not a jerk um yeah, definitely and one you know you'll see on the trail right that's the worst exactly when you when some random person, and no offense to the random people who do win raffles, I'm sure they're great people, but it's like, it's cool when it's somebody you have wheeled with, or you 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 know you'll see them out there doing stuff with something cool that they just won. Yes, yes, and and I'm so psyched for him and and them. Um, I, Michael's given away another chassis. I think he mentioned it in his podcast. He's given away another chassis at Wayland for Warriors. I guess he's going to have them all set up here too. So that's going to be cool. Also, this, it's funny that you bring that up. There is another friends rig that I am looking forward to seeing. It'll be, um, um, I, be, I guess technically it'll be chassis number three from MN Offroad. So MN, MN Offroad, that's Nate Gilbert. He built, um, of course, he built his Hayabusa rear-engine-powered buggy that he's won Humble Pie with twice. Mm-hmm. Wait, hold he, on a second. Somebody, do you know what he's done for transmission? I, we've probably oh, talked about this. I, 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 I can tell you a little bit of it. So he's running the Hayabusa into a two-speed power glide. Oh, okay. what? Yeah, oh he does a lot of his own machining and... Like he makes lots of custom stuff. So that's something that's always interests me. But the idea of I think those revved to like what fourteen thousand. Well, it's a Busa, so it's probably twelve thousand, twelve yep. five hundred or so. But like the two speed power glide can actually withstand that much RPM. That's fucking impressive. It, well, and he's still running through the Hayabusa six speed transmission. So he has yeah. six gears to pick in front of the two speed oh. automatic. <laughs> okay. And how I, thick, how thick of I, a chain? I, this, I have too many questions now. We got to talk to this dude. Now know, I'm interested. Right? What? He actually would probably be a, a, a pretty good guess because he's so he's he he last year they debuted uh, Eugene Whitford's buggy that he built um 
and I have another friend that I think he's trying to keep it under wraps, so I'm not going to drop his name, but another good close friend has plunked down and committed to having Nate build a, a from scratch buggy. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. It's going to be a pretty cool ride because I Nate builds exquisite stuff. He knows what he's doing. Um, if you should come to Humble Pie, Jesse, you can check out, check out Nate Gilbert's buggy. It's, I need to now. This sounds yeah. so cool. Oh my god, he built his own portal boxes. He, he adapted <laughs> the, the Hayabusa to a two-speed power glide, so he still has six gears to pick in front of the two-speed power glide. And I believe that he still retains the ability to to engage and disengage the Hayabusa clutch so he can do basically a neutral drop, but he uses rather than putting a power glide into neutral, he basically power dumps into the input of the power glide. <laughs> this is That's very confusing as to how that actually holds together, but I, I love agree. it. The ch- well, how you gotta figure power power know? glides are are um Power glides are made to take lots of horsepower. So the horsepower question isn't really a question. How much horsepower to begin with, anyways? Really, um, like ninety or and, so, right? And and power glides are you know holding up behind six hundred to a thousand horse dragsters. Um, they they are the dragster transmission of choice, especially eighth mile. Like all those all those um, street outlaw guys who are running eighth mile. Those are all power glides, man. Um, so it'll, it'll take the power and then you have to figure the output. So the output on the, on the Hayabusa is made to be run to a chain. So it's basically the pinion. Think of it as the pinion in a ring and pinion. Um, it's made to go through further gear reduction. So if that goes straight to the input, or straight to the converter, however he's got it. I don't know if he still has a converter or not. I have no idea. Um, but it's basically when push comes to shove, it's not really going to over rev it. Not any more than a high end dragster that 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 has got a V eight that runs to eight to ten thousand RPM. Yeah, that um, makes sense. I'm just trying to come up with a good way to actually connect the input versus all of the above, and like if there's a yeah, there's just a lot going on there. There is for sure a lot going on, but um, I know that people have put GS XR 750s and Hayabusa's in front of Samurais, and they run them into the transmission. So they basically make a make a coupler that goes from the output shaft to the input shaft. I mean, so yeah, it's a, I guess that makes sense. So it's a matter of um, uh taking apart a clutch disc for the for the input on the transmission and then you can it can be as simple and as and as backyard and savage as welding a, a tube to the outside of like um a counter sprocket a, a drive sprocket <laughs> it, it can be that savage and it'll it'll work i don't know how long it'll work um I'm down to how centered you can make everything and and uh 
stuff like that, how accurate you can be, but you know, it, it is doable. Actually, it's actually, I bet you the harder, it was probably harder for him to come up with a, with a stator cover that allowed for output so that he can drive power steering pump and an alternate, a real alternator. Yeah, you're not wrong. I'm just, there's a, that's a cool setup and definitely different than a lot of the stuff that you see running around. I know that there was a couple of guys that were doing that in the bouncers uh, a while ago for like the baby buggies and stuff. And those yep. were always cool. It was just never something that I would really like ever look into because it never appealed to me. But it's yep. just, there's so much cool machining that has to go into that because like, if you wanted to make that adapter right, you'd probably put like a nice step with a um, cut-in chamfer to get everything to line up correctly and take weld if you wanted to actually weld it or machine in a gear setup. And I'm sure that it rips. It does, in fact, rip, and it crawls too. Like he can, he can go way down low with the gearing so that even the you know the lack of down low torque of the motor is overcome by the fact that he's got so much gearing that it doesn't matter yeah um, well when you've got ten thousand to one gearing you know you can <laughs> you can make something happen exactly and if you got ten thousand rpm you know then you're doing good it's it's got all the willpower it sounds so, pretty cool when he, when he when he's all on it and into it and uh, making stuff happen. So, is there anyone that you can name drop that you'd be interested in seeing in Humble Pie? Ooh, huh? Give us just one or two, you know, a little tease, a little, little sign. Uh, there's a there's a couple names in. Um, yes, I will. I will. I will drop a name. Um. Charles Melchner. <laughs> he is um, an X-Rock guy. Um, he's, he's loud. Um, he's, uh, what's the word? Boisterous, boisterous. Like, he is not afraid to um, put his opinion out there. Uh, but he's so supremely likable. Um, and I would love to see him compete in in um humble pie part of it is because i it wouldn't hurt my feelings if i if he got to eat some humble pie but if he did well i'd be his i'd be his cheerleader too um so yeah and uh maybe cam beasley who's another big name in x rock um i wouldn't mind seeing him uh put his uh and put his uh sticky mickeys to the test and seeing how they did um also a good guy and an excellent rig so um there, again i know that there's more to it than the tires but uh melchner melchner is on 43 inch uh sx stickies and a jesse haynes fab buggy he and his son both have jesse haynes fab buggies um so yeah that would be pretty cool um that's all I can think of off the top of my head. I actually threw it out there last year to uh, Matt Myrick to um, run his bouncer, and uh, he declined. But I think that you know, it was I was letting him know about it too late. He couldn't stick around for another. They so 
Flex Rocks and Rollovers was here literally the weekend before Humble Pie last year. Mm-hmm. So none uh, of yeah. those guys could take me up on my on my offer, yeah. unfortunately. That's fair. Um, I have one last question for me. Sure. Ben, have you had any Ultra 4 cars there? Um, only Zach Capaldo's. And I guess, um, so... What about Greenleaf? Fr- Would you consider Greenleaf? I guess, it's, uh, I guess it's like, approaching, like, but yeah. he's yeah. never, he's, uh, so did you ask f- to just on the property in general? Like, I mean, wheeling the property. Yeah. Yep. Um, sort of nothing. Yes. Uh, all, actually, um, also, uh, uh, a fella named Chris Abley, he actually ran King of the Hammers, uh, every man challenge. And he has been here a couple times wheeling the property. So yeah, there have been a few here and there. Nothing nothing that is the open class though. What's what's that? Forty four hundred? Yeah, mm-hmm. forty four. And forty seven is legends, if I remember right. Right. So the so the class that Eric Miller is in is like forty four hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't believe that we've had any of anything that's that's that would be considered that class here on the property that I know of. That'd be fucking um, cool. I, yeah. It would be cool. I would like to check it out. I think that... Actually, you know what? I take that back because Lucas Murphy's rig is technically a 4400 class. And um, not only has he been here on the property numerous times with it, he took me for um, the fastest loop of uh, lake trails that I've ever been on he took me for a ride and i strapped in he's like so you want to go slow or fast i'm like oh fast please <laughs> and um blew my mind like we did lake trail in like five minutes wow that's sick. mind-blowing like i can't believe how fast those cars will go so yeah i have and i got to experience it it was pretty cool but um that was uh that was that was a while ago um Technology is definitely moving along since then. So I would love to experience something that's current and modern. Not that his isn't current and modern. It's just that his, his it's was evolved a ton. Yeah, things, things evolve so fast, you know, like technology and um, ingenuity. I think is a good word to use. Um, it the goes IFS so fast. Nowadays uh, too, right? The IFS stuff, the I'm bl- I'm blown away by how good, at least watching on the television. Yeah. Yeah. Wa- watching King of the Hammers. I, I, I can't believe how good I- IFS works now compared to when it was first coming out. We were, we all laughed. Yeah. <laughs> like there's no way. Yeah. And now look, it's, it's it's hard to ignore results, isn't it? It's impressive. It's interesting to see like a built IFS car of of now do field and forest. I don't know. I know that would be interesting. I think that I think that the rock crawling here is severe enough and intense enough that um it would quickly uh exploit all the downsides and weaknesses of ifs yep um to be honest but i would it would all 
I would also be curious to see if I could be proven wrong. Um, I'd be f the first one to admit that, wow, I had that pegged all wrong and you showed me what was up. But um, my gut says that this is gnarly. So, so the rock crawling, I'm probably going to get lambasted by somebody who's going to hear this and get their everything all in a jimmy. But <laughs> the rock crawling here is way harder than the rock crawling out at King of Hammers. Without Period. a I don't think anybody can fault you on, or, or even get mad at you saying that. It, it's yeah, you can't compare desert rocks in California to like one of the one of the things that Lucas Murphy said to me when he when he was first going out there all the time. We were, we were just having a discussion. This is back when he had had his first buggy, and I was still building his diffs for him the week before he'd go out because <laughs> he waited till the last minute because he's a working man mm -hmm. um and he was like talking about pre-running he's like yeah i'm pre-running the desert i'm not pre-running any of the rocks because i know how to rock crawl um and he's right he comes from out here and he's exposed to field and forest all the time so he doesn't need to practice the rock crawling at least in his head um yeah. to to finish because he's that's back when he's his goal was still to to get a finish mm -hmm. to to finish under time and um to get a finishing spot so nowadays if you want to place like if you're if you're looking for top 10 and better or top three you need to pre-run the rock rate the rock crawling too because you need to know you need to have it hammered into your head you need to have it sort of memorized or you need to have at least notes that your co-driver took that says all right when we're here on this trail i can go up i can get away with going up and around here if we get in trouble because xyz and like you need to pre-run all the rock yeah you can't be but, thinking about all that in the moment you have to sort of have an idea of what you're getting into even if you know how to rock crawl like you said yeah because because speed because you yeah. need to pre-run it for 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 the speed part of it you need to pre-run it so that you can figure out how to go fast with that rock section whereas if you know how to rock crawl you don't need to pre-run it in order to get through it you need to pre-run it so that you can go fast through it mm -hmm. yep the desert go fast stuff has always been entertaining to me, but that's a totally different animal. It is. There's something pretty cool about watching them do a hundred plus across a desert, isn't it? It's wild. Um, I find it particularly interesting, though, like watching the Millers keep up with the IFS cars. It's been wild to watch the changes in how they shock cars or like the shock setups that they are running now and how many stages they uh, have in the suspension so that you can control what the car does on every single step of the rebound and you know falling away if you will yeah good 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 point and um the the pre-running and and the r&d that go along with that too like they've got to put hours upon hours upon hours into just pre-running and and making changes and 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 making mistakes so that they've got a database to fall back on 
just in- insanity. The, the shock stuff goes <laughs> well beyond. That's a Mike Catrini. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say that's out of my hands, bro. <laughs> I, I, I only know I know just enough about shocks to get myself in trouble, and when I'm in trouble, I just message him. I'm like, so um, this is what I'm doing and what I'm trying to do, and so what does this do? <laughs> and he helps me. Like, you know, it's it's funny because like with um with shocks for like off-road rigs it's the same for dirt bikes and there was this kid who i saw he was on tiktok and he was talking about he he came up with this website that you could type in your weight type in what you wanted to do do like type in all the information and then it spit out like perfect specs for what would be best for you and i remember i commented i'm like dude you gotta monetize this like there's there's guys who literally make a living off of just tuning suspension alone on dirt bikes and he was like yeah, that's actually a good point. And put it up there for a dollar. And he said, like, he DM'd me and he was like, dude, that was the best thing I've ever had. Like, was somebody just telling me to, like, dude, monetize this because he didn't understand the value. And, and imagine if there's something like that for uh, for rock crawling. Like, how insane they'd be like, oh, add 14 clicks here, drop a little bit of the top spring out here, like, do the XYZ. Be nuts. Be insane. That's pretty sick. That's yeah. awesome. I, I can, yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. Um, but then what, what about being there in in person? Like, so, I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, I guess you wouldn't get the same expertise value out of it, but according to multiple people on the page, again, this is just the internet. You never know. People could be bullshitting. They also, that it was like a major difference and it like really, really helped them. But I don't know. It was just, it was kind of crazy to think if there was a way to like, this would be a grand thing because he's the only one that I know that can mildly code or even read code um, to come up with something like that, to give you all the different angles and the best outcome for you. And then doing like what Mike Catrini said, which is instead of like trying to plan the big picture and then change big picture, it's like try little things to find your happy medium, that Goldilocks point for you. So I wonder if there would be even a possibility of doing something like that. Yeah, I mean, I'll chime in because you just called me out, not about the coding part, but just about (laughs) the, the, I mean, the, you're essentially, and and this is because I'm a, I'm not really, I'm not a programmer by any means, but I, I'm a automator. I'm a scripter. I I build processes. That's kind of what I do as the, you know, IT guru of of the company. Yeah. The nerd of the company, right? Um, (laughs) Nerds are good. Automation is great, but it only gets you so far. You still have to have something or somebody who knows either what buttons to push or the nuances to the system, right? You'll never completely yeah. get rid of the the shock master in this case. You can you can build a calc. And this is going back to my Katrini again, uh, right? You can <laughs> yeah. have the the suspension calculator, and that'll get you so far, but. It doesn't give you the whole picture. You really need to understand. You need to know the nuances to the system and know that it's not a perfect system because you can't account for every single factor in any sort of automation or program. And you have to have those specialists to uh, polish the final product, whatever it may be. You can probably get 95% of the way there, but the 5% is what's going to differentiate you in a in a race right versus uh i mean 95 percent is probably good enough for anybody in this 
podcast right now, <laughs> like talking now, 95%, we'd be head over heels way better than uh, yeah. if we hadn't. But for for anything beyond that, you you definitely would, you need somebody who knows how that stuff works. Yep. You still need to, you still need to understand how you need to um, fine tune from that awesome base setup that somebody gave you based on the numbers and and what you wanted to do. Like it's because I I can, yeah, I can totally see how cool that would be if there was a calculator where you could say, I, this is what I want to do. This is what bike or, or vehicle I'm running and how much it weighs. And this is how much I weigh and what do I need? to do but you still need to implement that you need you need to put that all together and then say be able to go out and say all right it's still not doing this i need to change it and do this and it's like michael said you're really looking for the changes that you want you're not looking for the the perfect numbers in the calculator you're looking for the 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 changes in the direction that you want it to go and to do the things that you wanted to do. Um, I will, I, yeah. Sorry. No, uh, it's, it's all good. I, I do like having the ability to plug changes in so I can put a number on them. So yes. I can get a reasonable idea as to what the change that I am looking for looks like. Right by tweaking the numbers and having a understanding as to what that's they just do. because you're a machinist. I hate to jump in and cut you off. <laughs> you're a machinist. That's all you look at, or you're a tool and die maker. I'm sorry. Uh, I you're looking like for those those like uh, that, yes those thousands of a of a measurement, right? So that's how your brain works. But yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, but it's still valid. It's it's still still valid commentary. Like that's. Yeah. That's still a um a, a rational way to look at it. Um, me personally, I I I wouldn't mess with the calculator so much as I would just look at it and say, "All right, the geometry is telling me this, and I need it to. It's it's doing this, and I look at the geometry and I say, but when I say I'm looking at the geometry, I'm laying under the rig and I'm looking at it." And my brain is like, okay, this is why it's doing this. So I need to change this so that it does this other thing. Um, just because I can't be bothered with a calculator. I was the same way bending tube. I could never be bothered with the Bentech software. I, rather than spend that time with the software, I would be out in a shop messing with things using giant angles. You know, I, I had two yardsticks that were bolted together. <laughs> and um like th that's what worked for me and figuring out how to do notches i would do it was all hands-on rather than rather than trying to spend the time making a computer program work i was i would waste all that time doing it hands-on either either way i was i was burning the time to me it made more sense to to Go do by it hands -on. Yeah, exactly. Go by feel. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. It's just, you know, how different brains work. 
Yep. 100%. Sorry to bring up such a a tangent ass. ass I was going to say, I'm sorry. (laughs) Oh, no, it's cool. It's still all off road and stuff. And honestly, anything we talk about on these podcasts is is all pretty cool. No matter how tangent it goes, it's still it's still fun stuff. It's still the same kind of stuff that we would be talking about in, around a campfire, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we are deeply past our time of usual. We're about ending. three hours. We're about there. <laughs> Holy moly! How did yeah. that happen? So I got two two hours and fifty three minutes here on my watch. It'll probably be roughly there. <laughs> Well, I just wanted to say thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate every single one of you. Thank you for coming back every single week. We don't know why you do it, but we're happy that you do. Just want to say thank you, Bob, for coming on. You're always an excellent person to talk to. It's always a great time. And on that note, I got on nothing. That, what do you, no. Yeah, I was going to say, what do you better pick it up? On that <laughs> note, if you want to be serious at FNF, 42-inch red labels, don't worry about the cost. The smiles per gallon are worth it. Apparently, we're going to see what happens when you bolt 40-inch stickies to a Dana 30. Stay tuned for that.